Tech Night Owl Live, the show for PC users who can handle the truth. And now, here's your host, Gene Steinberg. So this week on what's going to be the final episode of the Tech Night Owl Live, we feature Adam Inks, Tidbits, independent outspoken commentator Peter Cohen, and the one, the only, did I say the only, Kirk McElhern of Kirkville. All this and more on the Tech Night Out Live. So what do I mean by the last episode of the Tech Night Out Live? We started this show back in 2002. One of the early online radio shows. Of course, Apple came out with podcasts somewhat later. In 2010, we joined the Genesis Communications Network. Thanks to Ted Anderson. And we've remained there for nine years. But now it's time for me to pack up my bags and get on with my life. I'll be focusing heavily on my other radio show, The Powercast, which will have some tech content. You know, we talk about future science, technology, and everything. It's going to be on there. So I'm not leaving this world in terms of covering technology. And, of course, I'll continue to use my Apple gear. So there. Anyway, I brought on Adam because he's been in this universe for thousands of years now. I guess I first heard of you, Adam, when you did the Internet Starter Kit. Back to (laughs) early 90s? 1993. Just after the book came out, just after the World Wide Web became real for Mac users. We had actually started the book well before then uh, in April, but then uh, NCSA Mosaic uh, was the first real web browser for the Mac. There was uh, something called Mac WWW that the CERN people did, but uh, NCSA Mosaic came out for the Mac in August of September. Of 1993, and then I rushed to add a chapter about it to that uh, that version of the book, and we got the book out in September. Now I understand in those days the internet wasn't such an easy place to get on. (laughs) (laughs) Well, yeah, nowadays you know you you call the uh, your ISP and they send a an installer and they put a cable modem in and you just plug into it and things work. Back then you had to, first of all, have a modem. So we were talking normal phone lines and the little screechy sound modems uh, were very, very slow. And you had to have the appropriate software for your Mac, that it wasn't just built into the operating system like it is now. The thing that actually set the Internet Starter Kit apart from uh, the other four books that were available at the time, uh, there were not very many, was that we had a disk that had all the software you needed, including two essential pieces of software. There was something uh, from Apple called MacTCP, which is a transmission control protocol. It was just something you needed to talk to the internet. And then we had, there was another program called Interslip, which uh, slip stood for serial line internet protocol. You needed those two pieces to be able to get your Mac to talk over the modem to an ISP. And keep in mind, there also weren't very many ISPs at that point in time. The important ISPs then included CompuServe, I guess. Um, Mm -hmm. Also AOL. AOL was busy gaining ascendancy because it made it easier, but also it locked you out. Of most well, of these internet features, it was proprietary for quite a while. In fact, both CompuServe and AOL were, as were most of the other 
uh, online services, as we remember, I'm, I'm, I'm hesitating every now and then because the words aren't always remote, you know, popping up to my neurons quite so quickly. Yeah, the online services. So we had CompuServe, we had AOL, we had Delphi, we had Genie, we had Bix, and then there was Apple service called AppleLink. And uh, AppleLink uh, had special software, like all of them did, and it cost $37 an hour which was a little pricey back then. It was more expensive than pretty much all the rest of them. But the thing that was we also did with the Internet Starter Kit is we worked with an ISP in Seattle called Northwest Nexus. They were my ISP. That's where I lived at the time. And I had gone to them to see if they knew of some national ISP that might be interested in you know, kind of having a bundle deal with the book. And they said, that's a problem we'd like to have. And I was like, oh, okay then. So we set up a flat rate deal with them. I think, I forget it was, I have to look, it was $29 a month, $20 a month, can't remember. And that was the first flat rate internet access account in the world. Now, I should remind our listeners that the original Apple Links was primarily for dealers and developers. It wasn't yes. meant necessarily for the end user. In fact, AOL was meant to be Apple Link Personal Edition. But it didn't work that way. And then later on, Apple tried with eWorld and it went kaput mm -hmm. in a few years. Yeah. So, you know, those very early days, very hard to get on. There were not many ISPs. My ISP actually, because of the book, got calls from Japan. It was cheaper to call international long distance than it was to uh, to deal with many ISPs. So things um, moved very quickly after that, though, that once the internet got started, the speed of improvement in terms of all of the software that could work over this TCP connection got it. That's better. So we ended up with things like Eudora. Uh, we ended up with um, Netscape, Netscape Navigator, the, the first big commercial web browser. And then just after that, you know, programs just kept popping out of the woodwork to make the Mac really one of the best internet client computers um, in the world. It was actually significantly better than Windows for quite a long time. Of course, Apple had an interesting history then within the mid-90s. People thought it was in danger of folding or being sold off to someone before Steve mm -hmm. Jobs came back. But when we started the show in 2002... Let's look at that and take it to today, the history of the show. In 2002, we had Macs, we had Power Macs, we had the first iPod the previous year. And that was a thousand songs in your pocket and everybody looked at that and said, what, $3.99? What the heck is that? But then Apple took its music software, iTunes, and made a Windows version. And that was the difference. Yeah, the, the iPod was, was truly a game changer, but it was absolutely necessary to get the Windows side of the world into being able to use it. That, that was really one of the, the key decisions that Apple made. And Apple had, you know, dithered with, with Windows stuff in the past, but, you know, it was absolutely essential in that particular, in that particular time because, you know, the iPod was cool, but it didn't really need a Mac. It just needed some sort of a computer to load the music on. And so iTunes for Windows made that happen. And then the iPod took over the industry and very much probably changed Apple of the future. Oh, absolutely. It, was, it wasn't just yeah. a computer company, although it was a computer. I mean, all of Apple's products are still computers. Apple watches a computer. 
iPad, iPhone. But it changed the direction that Apple is now selling a more mainstream product that is more or less platform independent because there's a Mac and Windows version. What's interesting about the iPod actually more so, I mean, you're, you're calling it a computer is absolutely correct technically, but what's interesting is that it was the first computing device from Apple, arguably, that was both, a, you know, had all of the computing hardware in it, but was a, a single purpose device. It only did one thing, you know, that you couldn't do anything else you wanted on it. You certainly couldn't program other things for it at the time. And so, you know, Steve Jobs, when he first introduced the Macintosh, had talked about it as in terms of it being an appliance. That was overstating the case a little bit. You know, you, you did have to, you know, run software and there were many different programs. So it was an appliance that could do many different things, which is unusual for appliances. But the iPod, in some ways, was that first glimpse of the dedicated device, which, you know, uses all of these standard parts and pieces from, from a, you know, a computer has an input, you know, an, a screen and had an input mechanism with a, a scroll wheel and all that, but just one capability. And Apple, you know, after starting that, then moves back from that with the, with the, with the iPhone in 2007. We've got more to come. Remembering the past with adding some tidbits, I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. Attack of the Rockoids has been well received by critics and readers alike. It's a thrill a minute story you'll never forget. A former U.S. military intelligence officer is haunted by intense dreams about a beautiful woman pleading for his help after a terrible battle in outer space. But the dreams turn out to be true and thrust him into a telepathic love affair with a woman whose faraway planet is intent on destroying the Earth. And now the gripping tale continues in The Coming of the Protectors. It's the second book of the Rockoids trilogy, a galaxy-spanning adventure that pits our hapless heroes against powerful, fanatical enemies that threaten the lives of freedom-loving beings everywhere. Attack of the Rockoids and The Coming of the Protectors. Classic science fiction at its best. Available now. For more details, visit rockoids.com. That's R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S dot com. The Genesis Communications Network is one of America's premier broadcasters of captivating talk radio. We thank you for listening. Now, Now, just imagine there are thousands of people who are just as passionate about radio as you are. But what you may not realize is how easy and affordable it is to advertise with us. Radio commercials for your business could be heard on hundreds of radio stations across the U.S. every day. We can help you by creating an effective radio advertising campaign for your company. From script writing to producing your commercial, just like the one you're listening to right now. No other network provides the level of customer service we do. When it comes to radio advertising, we are your one-stop shop. And no matter how big or small your business is, we can help. Email us and advertise at GCNlive.com and an experienced advertising executive will help you take the first step towards driving more customers to your business or website. Advertise at GCNlive.com. Easy, affordable, effective. Maybe not today, maybe not tomorrow, but soon you'll need a plan and place to survive. 
Forget bunkers. You're not a live underground gopher. You need survivalist camps. The ultimate fully functional off the grid mobile survival bug out house that's well equipped and custom built to outlast any other RV or trailer. Bold statement, you bet. See them now at survivalistcamps.com. That's survivalistcamps.com. Trust your family survival to survivalistcamps.com. Hello, I'm Mike Lindell, the inventor of my pillow. And like all of you out there, I had problems sleeping. Pillows would go flat. I would flip-flop all night long. I would wake up with a sore neck, maybe a headache, or feel like I needed a nap even though I slept eight hours. When I invented my pillow, I wanted it to where you could move the patented fill to give you the exact support you need as an individual, regardless of sleep position. My pillow will get you into that deep REM sleep faster and you will stay there longer. It's not about how much time we spend in bed, it's about how much of that quality sleep we get. I do all of my own manufacturing right here in the United States. I have a 10-year warranty. You can wash and dry my pillow, and I give you a 60-day money-back guarantee so you have nothing to lose. And here's my best offer ever. You can buy one of my pillows and get one absolutely free. Go to MyPillow.com or call 800-870-0305 and use promo code GCN. That's MyPillow.com or 800-870-0305 with promo code GCN. The March of Dimes and HCA Healthcare are committed to the best possible start for every baby. I'm Amy Casseri, Vice President of HCA Women and Children's Services, where we have the honor of delivering over 200,000 babies a year. We partner with the March of Dimes on research and fundraising to help build a brighter future for babies everywhere. So march with us on one of the many HCA teams assembled nationwide. Learn more at marchforbabies.org backslash HCA. We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Tech Night Owl Live, please send it to news at technightowl.com. That's news at technightowl.com. If you'd like to discuss today's show with fellow night owls, visit our community forums at forum.technightowl.com. That's forum.technightowl.com. So this is the Tech Night Out Live, our wrap-up show forever. Later on, Peter Cohen and Kirk McElhern will join us. And, of course, Adam is talking about the early days of the iPod. But, of course, Apple's major product center was still the Macintosh. Mm -hmm. But then I don't think anyone realized what would happen in 2007 when Steve Jobs took the stage at the Macworld Expo and presented the ultimate iPod. That was also a telephone, a small personal computer that could browse the web and write things. That's where the real differences began and the real changes to Apple. Yeah, yeah, there's no question the iPhone was a watershed. And to be fair, you know, it was impressive when, when Jobs introduced it. I do remember this. Um, but we didn't get one right away. I don't know if you did. But the the very first iPhone was pretty limited in what it could do because at first there was no way for developers to make apps. Apple actually told people to go and make web apps. And the idea was you would use them in mobile Safari, which did come on the on the original iPhone. You know, the that first iPhone, you know, really showed what the iPhone could be, but it was not, you know, really quite what we see of to think of today when we think of the iPhone. Word is, of course, that Steve Jobs had to be led kicking and screaming to accept apps rather than web apps. 
But that's where things took the next stage of development. Because up till then, the apps you get with Blackberry's other smartphones, they were expensive and pathetic and of limited performance. <laughs> that's to say it mildly. What? You don't like the Java-based snake game <laughs> that you did with the keypad? Yeah, that was about the, like, about the extent of it. So, I mean, the thing with apps was that I think what people realized, and this became even more so with the iPad, but with the iPhone, when you ran an app, the app became the device. So what the iPad had showed, this concept of kind of turning a device, you know, having a device be a single purpose thing, the iPhone pulled back from that and said, ah, you can have a general purpose computer that can run different applications. But when it's running one of these apps, an iPhone just becomes that thing. And as I said, the iPad was even more so uh, that because it really didn't sort of have this, you know, other identity as a telephone. And so I think that was really uh, a sea change because with computers, particularly because we got multitasking very early on, you always had this sense that you were using a computer and there were apps on the computer. Whereas with the mobile devices, with the iPhone and then the iPad, the device just suddenly disappeared and became nothing but a green that provided this one capability while that app was running. And that's a really pretty big change. And in, in many ways, well, some way, in some ways, feels like a step backwards. I mean, we had, you know, at first we could only run one app on a computer at a time and you had to quit that one and launch another one. In some ways, it's, it's a better approach for people because people actually don't really multitask very well. We do one thing at a time. Well, it's not like, you know, if you're a professional user, like Adam is no doubt running several apps at once right now. <laughs> Our listeners know that I have Safari running. I have Rogue Amoeba's Audio Hijack running to capture the audio. I have Skype running to make the communication with Adam. I have Mail running. But as things went on, when Apple came out with the iPad, which was meant to be maybe a re computer replacement, they had to devise ways to make it possible to run more than one app. Yeah, we're just we're honestly just still getting there. That you know, iPad OS, which is due out in this fall, iPad OS 13, which is sort of just the iPad version of iOS 13, will have more capabilities in this regard. But I do think that it's been a little tricky, honestly, on the iPad that we've got slide over and we've got split view. And those sort of allow you to run multiple apps at the same time, but they're a little funky. What it really is, is just a way to like slide over. You can kind of glance at another app, you know, and you know, bring it in and out really quickly if you need to refer to something. And then split view does let you have two apps open at the same time. Most of the time doesn't work with all apps, but it's also often not clear like which side you're in. Sometimes you're unclear which, which app is, is, is quote-unquote active. So they're still getting back into that a little bit because it turns out there are small ways that you want to do multitasking that do make sense for people, such as being able to see a browser at the same time as you're writing something, for instance. But for the most part, uh, you know, I think Apple took a while to get to that point because most of what one did on the early iPhone and the early iPad uh, didn't really lend itself to productivity, you know, where Apple's really trying to move in that direction. And Apple is, I guess, trying to turn the iPad into a true computer alternative 
or a companion device with, of course, the next Mac OS. But let's talk about Apple, not just the gear here. For example, there's a story the other day we all heard that Sir Jonathan Ive is relinquishing his employment at Apple, will start an independent design firm that Apple will be one of his chief customers. Now, is that true or possibly they said that just to smooth the departure? Well, first of all, I don't know. Do we have to use sir? Because we're Americans, you know, we don't have royalty around here. We call Paul McCartney, (laughs) sir, Paul McCartney. Maybe you do. (laughs) But we don't say Sir Ringo. I don't know. Just it feels a little funny when it's a uh, it's it's some other country's title. Uh, so any of that, yeah, I think I think it is likely that Apple will uh, retain the services of the tremendously awkwardly named company that Johnny Ive is starting. Uh, Love from I can't even begin to uh, know uh, think of what goes into that naming choice. So it's likely, but I personally feel that um, Apple will probably want to bring more most of or keep most of the work in-house it's possible if they were doing something new they would uh, they would hire Ivy Ives firm uh, Johnny Ives firm because you know Apple has a long history of that I mean you know original stuff a lot of that came from frog design uh, design firm from way back in the early days and and other other external companies have certainly contributed over the time so but Apple just doesn't like to be beholden to old, to outside companies and I don't see that lasting in a big way. Maybe a transition stage. On the other hand, there have been criticisms, as you and I have heard, that maybe some of Jonathan Ives' designs were so focused on thin and light that the word practical (laughs) was not considered. Yeah, there's that whole form and function thing in design, and I personally have fallen to the uh, camp that is a bit critical. Uh, You know, obviously, Johnny Ive was responsible for the original iMac, uh, you know, obviously the original of the iPhone, um, the Apple Watch, things like that. So he's done some fabulous work. There's no question. We're going to have some more fabulous content of more fabulous discussions with Adam in our next segment of the Tech Night Out Live. You are listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. Most of you know that heart disease is the number one silent killer in the U.S. What if I told you for just $54.95 a month you could fight against heart disease naturally? At Heart and Body Extract, we've been helping thousands of people get back to a healthier heart. Don't just take my word for it. Check out all of the success stories at hpextract.com. Or to order, call 866-295-5305. That's 866-295-5305. hpextract.com. Don't risk it when you can take charge of it. Fellow patriots, my name is Todd Savage, founder of BlackRifleRealEstate.com. Like you, I was a prisoner of the alt-left sanctuary state until one day I chose to lead my family to freedom. Today we live on a sustainable 20-acre homestead where we shoot, hunt, garden, and homeschool our children without the tyranny of the nanny state looking over us. If you're ready to flee the city to the freedom of Idaho or Montana, our Black Rifle Real Estate team is here to help. Go to BlackRifleRealEstate.com. That's BlackRifleRealEstate.com.
USA Radio News with Wendy King. A 7.1 magnitude earthquake hit Southern California on Friday night, only one day after a 6.4 quake hit on the 4th of July. California Governor Gavin Newsom says he's spoken with President Trump about the quakes, and he says political differences haven't stopped any federal help. This is consistent with that relationship, and I want to thank the president uh, for his outreach. There was a huge blast at a shopping center in Plantation, Florida, just west of Fort Lauderdale. It sent debris flying 100 yards. More than 20 people were injured, and two people were in critical condition. Plantation Deputy Fire Chief Joel Gordon. We've pretty much completed the search. We believe we've located just about everyone. We are doing what's called a secondary search in the condensed area where the explosion appears to be. This is USA Radio News. Money! 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 Money. You gotta have it. When you need it, what do you do? If you don't have a rich uncle, call LendingTree. With us, hundreds of banks compete for your business, so you'll get loans with competitive interest rates, and in some cases, with no closing costs. So here's the deal. If you need money, call us. Do you want to refinance your current loan? Are you 62 or older and interested in a reverse mortgage? Then call LendingTree now. 800-634-1315. 800-634-1315. We've closed over $250 billion in loans. We know what we're doing and can help you. Call right now for a free quote. 800-634-1315. 800-634-1315. 800-634-1315. That's 800-634-1315. NMLS number 1136. This is George Norrie from Coast to Coast AM and History Channel's Ancient Aliens, and we're proud to promote amazing energy, nutrition, and skincare products from Jeunesse. Visit GCNLife.com for products like Luminesce. The Luminesce Anti-Aging Skin Care line restores youthful vitality and radiance to your skin, reducing the appearances of fine lines and wrinkles with stem cell technology. There's also Instantly Ageless, which works within two minutes, reducing under-eye bags, fine lines, wrinkles, and pores. Jeunesse has products to help you with how you look and feel in a very short time. Noble-nominated Dr. Vincent Jampapa has designed several products helping the body perform better. Jeunesse products have a 30-day money-back guarantee, and they're available up to a 25% preferred price discount. See all of the amazing Jeunesse products at GCNLife.com or call toll-free 1-844-443-6637. Live with Gene Steinberg, it's the Tech Night Owl, because you never know what's going to happen next. Now, to make matters more confusing, of course, there was an article recently in the Wall Street Journal where it claimed that for whatever reason, after Steve Jobs' death, Jonathan Ive became more and more disenchanted with Apple, disengaged himself from the day-to-day work, and focused mostly on this new Apple campus. 
Yeah, that's a, I mean, I obviously have no inside knowledge of, of whether or not that's true, although I gather uh, Tim Cook responded rather angrily to a lot of the stuff in that article and basically said that it wasn't true. You know, all I can say is that it doesn't seem as though Apple has done, frankly, much design work on its products for quite some time. That if you look at, you know, anything that's newish, the iMac Pro, yeah, there's no question there's some design there, but it basically looks like an iMac in space gray. The Mac Mini pretty much looks like the old Mac Minis. You know, it's just, there's nothing radically different there. The MacBook Air, slight changes, nothing massively different. Even the MacBook, you know, MacBook Pro from 2016, some changes, but doesn't look a whole lot different. You know, they, Apple's just not changing very many things. And uh, I'm not saying that they weren't doing important stuff, but it certainly was nothing to the level of coming up with the Apple Watch design. Or if you look at the design changes of the iMac over time, they're radical. Apple's obviously changing things, keeping design forefront in the in the product concept. And as far as I can see, product design has just disappeared largely as a as a differentiator in the Mac and uh, and iPhone worlds. I mean, they do things like make the screen really big in the iPhone. No question, that's interesting, but it's not a whole new thought or a whole new approach to how the iPhone looks and feels and works. But of course, you have to realize how many ways can you change the design? Excuse me, a design change like that may come every few years. And then they will iterate on that. They will do minor upgrades and then maybe a new design. But as you say, the iMac Pro is fundamentally the iMac, but they rejiggered the internal workings to provide better cooling for the hotter processor and a more powerful power supply. But the fundamental design and all its problems were still there. Now, that's another question I have here as we look at Apple with less or maybe no reliance on Jonathan Ive. There are obviously problems with Apple's design that make it hostile in many ways. So, for example, you want to change memory on iMac Pro. You have to pull the thing apart. Whereas on a regular 27-inch iMac, you open a cover at the back. Now, I understand from a design standpoint, an electronic standpoint, engineering, maybe that's how they had to do it. But maybe... The people who now are going to be in control of design will think, you know what, maybe we should do a few things to make them more user friendly. Yeah, there's a lot of that kind of thing. And some, the big issue, I think, has been Apple's fetish with thinness. So with an iPhone, you know, it makes sense to make it be pretty thin. Sure, I'll, I'll, I'll grant that. But who cares how thin the iMac is? You look at the front of it, not the edge of it. The edge of it is irrelevant. And, you know, making it thinner and, you know, sleeker and all that does nothing to make it easier to uh, expand with memory, to replace hard drives, to get into repair. None of that. It's just unnecessary. You know, again, with laptops, there's reason to make them thin, but... When Apple does things like come up with a butterfly keyboard, which has been a complete debacle, then you have to say, are you doing this thinness for the right reasons? The other question I would have is look at the reverse. 
We don't know what happened behind the scenes with Apple. We have the Wall Street Journal version, which may or may not be true or based on the comments from disgruntled employees. In all fairness, Tim Cook's rebuttal may basically said it wasn't true, but he didn't go specifically into each and every aspect, bullet points. This isn't true. This is true, whatever. It may be, on the other hand, that Apple engineers, possibly Tim Cook, said, we've got these problems now that have to be resolved. And maybe Jonathan Ive was too resistant. And that may be a part of the problem, too. He was doing designs there that are beautiful to look at, but the form is not following function. It goes back to the, of course, to the Power Mac G4 Cube. I'd be very surprised if he was being forced out. That doesn't ring true to me in any way. However, the whole he's bored and the, you know he's kind of done the challenges that he needs to you know that he needs to meet with Apple and wants to move on to do other things. That fits pretty well. I mean, you know, this is someone who devoted a lot of his time to the to the Apple campus, you know, the new spaceship campus, and that's got to be a really interesting challenge for a designer. But they're done with that now too, and you know they're not going to make another campus. So. It's unusual for such high-level, long-standing Apple executives to leave. They just don't do that very often. And mostly when they do, they retire completely. But, you know, in this case, you know, he wants to keep working and keep doing things. And at Apple, there's just going to be a limit to the kinds of products he can do. You know, Apple doesn't make that many products. But also without his influence, maybe we can help when we're looking at the future here. We can hope that Apple will take stock and all the things he did that are great and now say, what can we do to modify these designs or come up with new designs and make them more practical? I could hope that. Of course, that could be a, a wish that will never be realized because the people who replace him are basically people he worked with who shared his vision and we presume would continue to work in that spirit. Yeah, I mean, that's certainly certainly the case. It is a little odd the way Apple kind of talked about the reorg where it's, you know, his two lieutenants who are taking over when they're reporting to the chief operations officer, which is just a slightly weird way of doing things. It almost says that they don't anticipate this being a major focus going forward. That said, it's always possible Apple would, you know, hire a new chief designer at some point. You know, that you have to figure it's one of the one of the most compelling jobs in tech design, you know, industrial design in the world. And Johnny Ive has done great stuff. But that doesn't mean that other people out there can't do fabulous work as well. I, I personally see it as a golden opportunity to get some new ideas in, see what see what uh, you know can be made of it. Perhaps they expect one of these executives or another executive will grow into that role. Not immediately, but maybe over time. Maybe that's part of the plan. We don't know what's happening behind the scenes. We're just talking through our hats here. So (laughs) we have no idea what's going to happen. But I wanted to focus this, not just, of course, on how we got here. And Adam was talking about the early days of the Internet, about Apple's transition to a consumer electronics company, about Jonathan Ive. For the future, we don't know how the Mac Pro is going to do, except it's going to be humongously expensive. You can buy a car. For just the price of the 28-core chip. Not a new car, but a recent car. I don't think my car, having been well-worn, is worth much more than the 28-core chip. So you can have my car or a chip. But obviously, that's Intel charges a lot for those things, those parts. 
I assume there's going to be a fairly decent audience amongst the professionals who need that power. And it's going to be in the tens of thousands, not going to be hundreds of thousands. What do you think? Oh, yeah, no question. I mean, I mean, I, I don't know exactly how many, you know, what the size of that audience is, but it's not huge. And it, it, in some sense, I think the Mac Pro is much more about Apple making a statement to Hollywood and high-end video professionals basically saying, we've got your back, that Apple was in danger of being dropped entirely by that world. We're going to have one more segment with Adam Ings of Tidbits at tidbits.com. A little bit later, Peter Cohen comes on board and Kirk McElhern. This is, yes, the final episode of the Tech Night Alive. Thank you for listening to GCN. Be sure to visit GCNlive.com today. Do you need a website? Well, you can get a great deal on hosting services with Namecheap's legendary coupon code. They're offering substantial hosting discounts on shared hosting, business hosting, VPS hosting, reseller hosting, and even dedicated servers. Namecheap is preferred by millions. It's backed by a money-back guarantee. Use the coupon code LEGENDARY to cash in on the special deal at Namecheap.com, Namecheap.com. First came Attack of the Rockoids, and it was a critically acclaimed success. And now there is the coming of the Protectors. A former military intelligence man is contacted by a space woman in a dream. A dream that turns out to be a nightmare, because evil forces on our distant planet are planning to conquer the Earth. This is gripping science fiction of the classic kind. Attack of the Rockoids and the coming of the Protectors. Find out more at Rockoids.com. That's Rockoids, R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S, dot com. Hi, I'm Dr. Joel Wallach, the Dead Doctors Don't Lie guy. There's no reason why you shouldn't live to be at least 100 and have a great time getting there. And I'm going to give you a free copy of my lecture that tells you exactly how to do it. In fact, after you've lived a long and healthy life, there should be only two documents in your medical chart, a birth certificate and a death certificate. I'm Dr. Wallach with a warning. If you have a four-inch medical chart, if you take prescription drugs for high cholesterol, high blood pressure, arthritis, joint pains, and other health issues, the medical profession is failing you. They're using you for an ATM machine. My free lecture is going to reveal what pharmaceutical companies don't want you to know. There's been groundbreaking research and discoveries on how to effectively treat or eliminate over 900 different diseases naturally. And it's all in my free lecture called Deadly Recipe. So call toll-free 1-855-79-YOUNG. Again, that's toll-free 1-855-79-YOUNG. 1-855-79-YOUNG. Hunters, anglers, campers, and survivalists. Get back to nature. Expand your horizons with the highest quality, most versatile, unique slingshots and slingbows on the market at slingbow.com. Slingbow products are compact and models start from just $17.98. They're perfect for your bug out bag or storing in your vehicle. Give yourself and your loved ones the excitement and tradition of Slingbow, a new frontier in archery and truly modern twist on this primitive survival tool. Feel the thrill only at slingbow.com.
Would you like to get back that full head of hair from years past? Introducing Reveal from GCNLife.com. Beverly Hills dermatologist Dr. Nathan Newman invented Reveal, which contains polypeptides with natural botanicals and no parabens, sulfates, silicones, or dyes for a salon-quality hair growth product. Reveal. Here's Dr. Newman. I have treated a lot of patients who lose their hair and they lose their confidence. We've created a unique set of polypeptides, which we call HPT6. The HPT6 contains the polypeptides from six different plants. The scalp infusion treatment should be used on wet or dry scalp. The Reveal hair care system is designed to be used for men and women alike. Get Reveal at GCNLife.com with a 30-day money-back guarantee. So try Reveal today at GCNLife.com or 844-443-6637. Plus a discount up to 25% off for Reveal at GCNLife.com or 844-443-6637. Complement your health with hemp-derived cannabinoid oil. We've always believed that the closer to Earth, the better it is for our bodies. Our hemp-derived cannabinoid oil is phytocannabinoid-rich, full-spectrum, and organically grown. Finally, hemp made easy, clean, and effective. GCNHemp.com or call 877-878-4203. That's right, we cut through the red tape. It's now available at GCNHemp.com or call 877-878-4203. know what's going to happen next well here's the tech night owl live with gene steinberg adam inks is with us and we're kind of looking over the past of apple the future of apple obviously apple is going to depend more heavily on services, exacting more cash from you. Do you have any perceptions about something like Apple TV Plus, the new game thingy, News Plus? News Plus, by the way, to me is a loser. I know I've read reports that the news sources aren't really, publishers aren't getting as much money as they thought. Because to me, I could take news and go through it and get all the stories I want. I have certain places I go to For most of my news, I do not have to pay for them or pay very much for them. So I wonder here, what kind of audience is there to spend $10 a month to get online magazines and such? Yeah, uh, Apple News Plus does seem like a slightly failed concept to me because the problem is that, as you say, there's a vast amount of free news out there. I mean, this is something that all publishers, myself included, struggle with, which is that you're competing against the infinite. So, you know, you can be putting out fabulous news, but that doesn't mean that other people aren't as well. And what you're fighting against, for most part, is attention. And so if you're in trouble even capturing people's attention, how are you going to get them to pay even more and have their attention? I mean, it's a it, it's an ins- I mean, in some ways, it's an insoluble problem because we, as a news-consuming culture, have become accustomed to the story being the unit of, of, of consumption. That it used to be you'd buy a paper or you'd subscribe to a magazine. And so you would be getting all of the things that the New York Times or Atlanta Magazine or whatever it was put out. But now 
particularly with social media and Google News and other, um, even Apple News, same thing, that you just see, hey, there's this great story, and you don't notice or care where it is. You may not even realize who's published the story. I understand the New York Times apparently earns a decent profit from its digital service. You have to pay a monthly fee. I'm not sure about the Washington Post or some call it the Amazon Washington Post, except if you use Amazon Prime, you get a really good discount on the Washington Post. <laughs> so it's just a few dollars a month. I don't know, $3.99 a month, something like that. So for those people, it might be worth it to have the full content of the Washington Post. The Wall Street Journal doesn't even give you five or 10 stories the others do. To get anything out of the Wall Street Journal, it's behind the paywall. And they've got, shall we say, a curated version of that newspaper in News Plus. I don't see it yet. I think Apple, of course, is going to try. Maybe they'll make modifications, but it may not be a big hit. It still may be something to kind of help publishers who are suffering from the fact that the internet is free. So I don't know about well, that. The music thing, of course, we know it's doing pretty well. The TV thing, I wonder so much about. Because despite all this competition, where does Apple come in there and offer more? Because Steven Spielberg and Oprah Winfrey are involved and J.J. Abrams are involved. Are you going to spend, say, 10 bucks a month for a handful of shows? Netflix has got to reach that problem because right now, a lot of the shows on Netflix that were really good have left. Daredevil, all the Marvel things, Daredevil, Jessica Jones, Luke Cage, Iron Fist, Defenders, gone. The Punisher, gone. Travelers, an interesting time travel thing by the creator of Stargate SG-1 featuring Eric McCormick, you know, from Will and Grace. He's a great serious actor. He plays an FBI agent who has been possessed by this intelligence from the future. I like that show. After three years, it's gone. What is Netflix going to do? Spending billions of dollars, will they be able to replace House of Cards, all these other great shows? Sensate, everything. That's well, going to be a big the, question. The, and we're going to have Disney Plus. Where's Apple going to go? <laughs> I mean, the, the, with all of these, the question is, who is going to have enough content to make it worth your subscription? You know, Netflix is exactly dealing with what you're saying by producing vast amounts of content. You know, they're spending $15 billion a year on that on new content. Apple has, is apparently spending about $2 billion, which sounds like a lot, but it really does come down to, is it worth your 10 bucks a month or whatever not to get, let's say, I mean, even if Apple does great shows, even if all the Apple shows are fabulous, any given person is probably not going to be interested in all of them. And so you have to really, you know, guess, is it going to be worth it for the two or three shows that you might want to watch? And I really do think that it, it, it's, it's also still an issue of time that we already subscribe to Netflix and get Amazon Prime. Um, so those two provide vastly more video than we could possibly have time to watch as it stands. So why should I pay more to watch more video that I don't have time for already? We have Hulu Plus, we have Disney Plus, we have Warners, we have a DC Comics channel. Yep. You see, originally, I think a lot of people left traditional cable because the prices kept going up. A lot of the reason was not just the greed of the cable companies. Of course, they had to expand their infrastructure for gigabit and all that. It was the fact that the 
networks ask for more money and they had to pay more money. And who pays the difference? You and I do. So I'm not saying the cable companies are nice people, but people left the cable trap because they were getting these big bundles of channels they didn't want to watch. And they went to Netflix. Oh, this is cool. We get, you know, recent TV shows, new content, recent movies. A lot of that content for Disney is now leaving it. A lot of the content on Netflix is temporary. Okay, you want, maybe you want CBS. You get CBS All Access for Star Trek Discovery and the Star Trek Picard series. Two shows, you're going to pay $6 a month for two shows. This is where (laughs) the problem happens. You can spend more money on all these separate services than you do for cable. Absolutely. And I don't see a solution to this because all of these companies have decided this is their their only way to compete to to attract customers and so i don't see apple allowing netflix or anyone else to license apple's shows and as long as these things be, you know exist only in their little walled gardens their you know their 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 proprietary channels then everyone's going to have to make decisions and i really do think that that's going to result in lower overall uptake I think this is going to be really, really difficult in the long run. There will be a shakeout. Maybe some of these services will merge. And then you'll just have online cable with several. Of course, right now, Dish Network and DirecTV are doing streaming. And then, you know, that might be where it comes full circle. People realize the a la carte version, which a lot of people have asked for, having separate channels is not going to work if you have so many that... You have to pick and choose, and you can't one day wake up and say, you know, I'll watch Star Trek Discovery this week. Oh, no, I have to subscribe to another service. I want to watch what Disney Plus is going to bring with Marvel. I have to subscribe to another service. On the long haul, though, where do you think Apple's going to end up with services? Obviously, it has to be a bigger and bigger piece of the pie. Yeah, there's no question. Um, I, I worry a little bit with Apple on that regard, because although Apple has you know, always had extremely good hardware and, you know, integrates the software to do so. The company has often been a little iffy on the services side. And I I, I base that a little bit more on sort of the way it's done online services as well as obviously content-based things such as iTunes. And to my mind, Apple, their biggest advantage is they've got this absolutely huge captive audience. But that said, they often feel a little tone deaf in terms of how people want to interact with these things. And I worry that things like, you know, as I said, Apple News Plus, Apple TV Plus may be somewhat mistargeted. They may just not have enough of a feel for what enough people want to read or watch or how they want to do it, that those services will succeed in a big way. We'll have to see how it all shakes out, Adam. It's been great talking to you for all these years. Please tell our listeners where we can find more of what you do. You've been on this on this podcast thing for a long time, and uh, if people want to keep finding more about this, uh, they can come to Tidbits, which has been going on for 29 years now, too. So we've, we've been around for a while at tidbits.com. So come and check us out. We're keeping coverage of pretty much everything Apple. It's always a great place to check things out. I get it in my mailbox every week, except when they're off for holidays. We let Adam and Tanya take a little rest just for a short time. Adam Inkst, 
Thanks for making the Tech Night Owl Live so much better. Thanks for joining us this week. You're very welcome, Gene, and best of luck with focusing on the Paracast. Thank you for listening to GCN. Be sure to visit GCNlive.com today. Attack of the Rockoids has been well-received by critics and readers alike. It's a -a thrill-a-minute story you'll never forget. A former U.S. military intelligence officer is haunted by intense dreams about a beautiful woman pleading for his help after a terrible battle in outer space. But the dreams turn out to be true and thrust him into a telepathic love affair with a woman whose faraway planet is intent on destroying the Earth. And now the gripping tale continues in The Coming of the Protectors. It's the second book of the Rockoids trilogy, a galaxy-spanning adventure that pits our hapless heroes against powerful, fanatical enemies that threaten the lives of freedom-loving beings everywhere. Attack of the Rockoids and The Coming of the Protectors, classic science fiction at its best, available now. For more details, visit rockoids.com. That's R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S dot com. Would you like to get back that full head of hair from years past? Now, there is Reveal. Beverly Hills celebrity dermatologist Dr. Nathan Newman took nearly a decade to develop Reveal from natural botanicals to return to a full-body head of hair. Reveal for men and women with a 30-day money-back guarantee at GCNLife.com or toll-free 844-443-6637. 844-443-6637. Reveal at GCNLife.com. This is George Norrie from Coast to Coast AM and History Channel's Ancient Aliens, we support the amazing energy, nutrition, and skincare products from Jeunesse. Jeunesse products are designed by leading doctors in their field with natural ingredients and even stem cell technology. These products help your body perform and look better. Shop Jeunesse at GCNLife.com or call 1-844-443-6637. GCNLife.com or 844-443-6637. Welcome back to the Tech Night Owl Live, where you never know what's going to happen next. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. So, as we continue our final episode of the Tech Night Out Live, we have the one, the only, Peter Cohen. Hi, Gene. Hey there. Listen, one of the things here that I've considered as I try to update myself in the last few years is the fact that when we all got started, you and I and Adam Inks, of course, Kirk McElhern, who will join us later, Apple was the counterculture company, three Cs. We had the motto, think different. Not differently, think different, be non-grammatical. Think different. Today, Apple juggles a spot for the number one company in terms of market cap. It's either one or two. A billion devices have been activated. iPhones, iPads, Macs, Apple Watches. The Apple Watch sells more units, I think, than any other watch on the planet each year. So... Apple is no longer counterculture. Apple is the culture. 
Yeah, that's very true. You know, it's uh, it's ironic after all these years to you know think about uh, Apple's traditional uh, even more than the counterculture. Although that that part is certainly true, Gene. I think that um, one of the essential things has been that Apple has always appealed to creatively focused people, right? It's always been the sort of tableau of, of, of artists and musicians, um, graphic designers, uh, photographers, uh, a lot of people who are uh, visual artists, you know, use Macs and have used Macs for a very long time because, you know, they've been able to, um, to do things with them more easily than they could on other platforms. So there's always been this sort of give and take between, you know, the, the sort of, uh, counterculture movement and uh, and Apple but you know the fact of the matter is Apple hasn't been counterculture in that respect in well going on two decades now you know I mean thinking about when think different happened that was in you know the late 90s the very early aughts and it was it, it was at a time where Apple really had to energize um, a very dispirited, user base of people. So that was the identity that we clung to. And that was a, a corporate identity that Apple was only so happy to foster as long as it promoted their bottom line. I mean, don't forget, Apple is still a company that's interested in making money. So now Apple is the culture. What do we do about that? Well, you know, I, I don't think it necessarily changes Apple's core directive or, or reason for being. And I don't think that it affects our use of it, but it certainly affects the public perception of Apple um, and other tech companies as well. You know, the, the, the innocence of, you know, sort of counterculture technology is quaint by today's standards. Well, we also have to look at the fact that these days, just as before, anything that happens at Apple is a major news story. I mean, if the chief designer from Microsoft, who is he or who is she anyway? Samsung, right, yeah. Google, they left the company. Okay. Even a CEO change wouldn't make a sea change. Apple, if they breathe differently, forget about thinking differently. If they breathe differently, it's a catastrophe. The Wall Street Journal has this story that's being highly disputed by a lot of people outside of Apple, not just Apple, that about all the horrible things that it happened with Jonathan Ive in his final years in the company. What, did you, you read know, the article? The hand-wringing over Johnny Ive leaving Apple um, has made me painfully aware of one thing in particular, and that's that a lot of people in the tech industry either ignore or just don't know that a company the size of Apple and really any company worth a damn really is going to have some kind of transition plan in place for when one of its executives leave leaves. And this transition plan is going to be a pretty carefully crafted document that's going to be something that would have been, uh, you know, written and put away a very long time before this happened. But those who are on the inside track here, those who actually know what's going on at Cupertino, have been very quick to point out, look, you know, Johnny has had one foot out the door from Apple for a number of years now. This really shouldn't surprise anybody. And indeed, I mean, if you look back, there's been a lot of talk about a lot of back-channel chatter. I mean, obviously not a lot of, of, of mainstream stuff, but a lot of back-channel chatter about uh, Johnny Ives' uh, diminishing day-to-day -day role 
uh, within Apple. As you might expect for an executive who's been there for a quarter century, uh, you know, and quite frankly, has interests outside of Apple and always has. So a lot of the hand-wringing over this is, um, is, is just idiotic as far as I'm concerned. More to the point, though, you know, when somebody like the Wall Street Journal um, publishes a story, I think it's 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 approached with a certain or it's 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 read with a certain level of credibility that you might not give to a blog, no matter how well placed the blog is, no matter how accurate the blog is. You just got to figure the journalists held to higher uh, standards than that. And I think that we're, we're finding out that that isn't the case anymore. Well, certainly with the case of the Wall Street Journal, there's a really, really lengthy takedown of the story from somebody who, of course, is a fan of Apple and more or less mostly agrees with Apple, although he's realistic about them. Daniel Aaron Dilger writing a story for AppleInsider.com. He's been on the Tech Night Out Live a number of times over the years, and maybe he's a bit of a one-trick pony about this, but he wrote an editorial, WSJ Johnny Ive story scoffed at by Apple experts, delicious to critics, And he quotes particular parts of the story, which are so wrong that anyone who follows Apple would realize there's a problem with the story. Yes. Um, You know, another piece worth worth looking at is Apple um, Song Ive uh, by uh, uh, Matthew Panzerino over TechCrunch. Um, Both of these pieces, I I think, um, are, are, are good uh, pushbacks against, um, you know, the folks who have been sort of piling on uh, since this thing got started. Like I said, you know, Apple's got this under control. Apple understands uh, the importance of design uh, with within its products and, and how uniquely its products are designed and how that makes them not just stand out in a crowded marketplace, but actually define a market. Um, y- you know, if, if you think that message is lost on anybody inside of Apple, you are an idiot. I cannot emphasize that enough. Um, the, the problem that I've got with a lot of the, the commentary and uh, editorializing that's come out about this news uh, since it was announced is that um, basically, it's it's you're trying to piece together a narrative um, without really understanding the 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 the, uh, the, the context uh, where all this stuff is coming from, and then just embellishing and making stuff up out of whole cloth that that is factually not correct. That's an even bigger problem. That's an even bigger structural problem to the article. Uh, bottom line is, it's ridiculous from start to finish. Who cares? The fact of the matter is, Johnny Ive is leaving Apple. The fact of the matter is Apple is going to continue long after Johnny Ive leaves Apple. It's not the end of Apple. It's not the end of the Apple experience that we know. Um, it's it's just a, an executive transition for crying out loud. So let's just let it happen and not be drama llamas for once. There we go. That's what I had to say. And bear in mind, too, Jonathan Ive wasn't perfect. Power Mac G4. iPod Hi-Fi. Uh, MacBook Pro keyboard. I mean, you, you okay, know, okay. Look. The point being here is that he also designed the notebooks and some of these products as so thin that doing normal upgrades and repairs is impossible. So it's therefore form above function. Maybe now with him out of the picture, not completely. Supposedly, his independent design firm will still work with Apple on allegedly special projects, but maybe now. 
the design people at Apple will look at the products and say, what do we do now to take these products and fix them so that people can upgrade their memory where they could, where they can fix it more easily? Why make it so difficult? It's even difficult for the repair people. More to come with Peter Cohen on the Tech Night Out Live. Attack of the Rockoids has been well-received by critics and readers alike. It's a -a thrill-a-minute story you'll never forget. A former U.S. military intelligence officer is haunted by intense dreams about a beautiful woman pleading for his help after a terrible battle in outer space. But the dreams turn out to be true and thrust him into a telepathic love affair with a woman whose faraway planet is intent on destroying the Earth. And now the gripping tale continues in The Coming of the Protectors. It's the second book of the Rockoids trilogy, a galaxy-spanning adventure that pits our hapless heroes against powerful, fanatical enemies that threaten the lives of freedom-loving beings everywhere. Attack of the Rockoids and The Coming of the Protectors, classic science fiction at its best, available now. For more details, visit rockoids.com. That's R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S dot com. Hey, everyone. Proactive MD has an incredible offer for our radio listeners only. Stay tuned for our exclusive offer that includes a free charcoal pore cleansing brush and free shipping. Proactive MD with prescription strength adapalene can heal and prevent future breakouts. Today, for just $19.95, we're offering listeners the three-piece Proactive MD system with free shipping, plus a free gift, the new charcoal pore cleansing brush. Get this exclusive offer by calling now, 1-800-583-8662, or go to Proactive.com and enter promo code radio. You heard right. Proactive MD plus free shipping and a free gift. The new charcoal pore cleansing brush. You'll get all this for just $19.95 and their 60-day money-back guarantee. You're guaranteed to get clear and stay clear or you get your money back. Call now. 1-800-583-8662. That's 1-800-583-8662. Or go to Proactive.com and enter promo code radio. Again, go to Proactive.com and enter promo code radio. Both my legs were amputated due to an IED. It's when you start to try to get back into like an everyday life. I absolutely felt like I lost some of my purpose. There must be something more. When DAV came into my life, they gave me a new mission. I could still be a productive member of society, could still support a family. The DAV gave him that sense of structure and purpose again to get his life back together. Visit DAV.org to learn more about our mission. If you're trying to quit drinking or doing too many drugs, listen to me. You don't know me and we'll never meet. I had a problem like you once. I drank and used to party a little too much till it got out of control and almost ruined my life. I realized I needed help to fix my problem before it totally destroyed me. If you've tried to fix your drinking and drug problem and you know you can't do it alone, you need to call the National Treatment Advisors. They'll immerse you into a 30-day program to replace your old habits with new habits and totally change your life. And if you have PPO, private health insurance, the entire program may be covered. Fix your problem right now before it gets any worse. Get clean. Call now and learn more. 800-506-6740. 
800-506-6740. That's 800-506-6740. Complement your health with hemp-derived cannabinoid oil. We've always believed that the closer to earth, the better it is for our bodies. Our hemp-derived cannabinoid oil is phytocannabinoid-rich, full-spectrum, and organically grown. Finally, hemp-made easy, clean, and effective. GCNHemp.com or call 877-878-4203. That's right, we cut through the red tape. It's now available at GCNHemp.com or call 877-878-4203. We'd like to hear from you. If you have any thoughts or comments about the Tech Night Owl Live, please get in touch at news at technightowl.com. That's news at technightowl.com. Looking for past episodes? We've got hundreds at technightowl.com slash radio. That's technightowl.com slash radio. Or subscribe on iTunes. So, Peter, I guess we could look at Will there be things that change for the good at Apple because Jonathan Ive is gone? Johnny Ive is 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 one part of a much larger framework at Apple. Um, I, th- I think that you know the the days of of the Apple Artur, you know the the Steve Jobs and the Johnny Ive. Uh, singularly leading uh, the design or or the material construction or conceptualization of a product from start to finish. That was a fiction uh, from the start. You know, that's not the way that Apple operates. Um, that's certainly not the way that Apple operates now, and that's not the way that Apple is, is going to operate in, in the future. So let, let's dispel this bizarre fiction that Johnny Ive is the cause of or the solution to any issues that Apple is having. You know, there's a, there's a lot to unload in, in, in the question that you just asked me, Gene, and it's a question that I hear from a lot of people, so I know it's not just you, but yeah, Johnny Ive likes thin things, and maybe he's a bit fetishistic on the whole form over function, Bauhaus, Dieter Rams uh, philosophy, but thinking that, that Apple made computers unrepairable because Johnny Ive wanted them thin is putting the cart before the horse. Johnny Ive might have wanted computers to be progressively thinner and less obtrusive and more in the background of actually getting the work done that you're supposed to do. But Apple had other legitimate reasons for streamlining upgradability out of these computers. Some of them absolutely have to do with its own you know, self-importance or self-worth or self-value in terms of being able to repair these things internally and not do that sort of stuff externally. But also Apple is quick to say, hey, look, a very minute fraction of our customers ever crack open these things or ever have reason uh, to open these things, even for repairs. Uh, The number of, of customers who actually have to bring one of these devices in for a repair is remarkably small compared to the overall number of customers using them. So look, we may not be able to um, uh, let you easily or at all upgrade the memory or RAM in these things or fix them yourselves when they break. But on the other hand, we're still the most popular computer company out there in terms of user satisfaction. Uh, we're still, you may not like it, but the fact of the matter is there are thousands of customers who don't give a damn 
about opening their computers and are never going to be interested in doing that and, and won't want to do that. So laying that all on, on Johnny Ives, Gene, uh, head Gene, I think is kind of a bad rap. And even suggesting that, well, maybe with I've gone, that's going to change. That's not how a multi-billion dollar company does business. You know, that they, they've got their own way of doing things. What I do hope is going to happen here is that we are going to get some fresh eyes inside of Apple and some fresh voices inside of Apple who aren't afraid to shake up dogma and aren't afraid to push back against the dominant paradigm. Because if nothing else, Gene, what I really want to see is some whimsy in Apple products. And, you know, Apple can take a chance with that. Apple might have been doing it 20 years ago with things like the iBook or the original iMac to try to catch attention in a very crowded marketplace because its products were kind of me too at the time and it needed to break out and do some really bold and innovative things like, you know, getting rid of the disk drive and, you know, building in a modem or an ethernet port so you could connect to the internet and all that other good stuff or, uh, you know, some of the other stuff that came later. There was a lot of innovation in those early computers and that bold, whimsical, fun, humane look to them, I think really drew people in. One of the things that I think is really missing from the Apple experience these days is that fun, that sense of whimsy that used to draw us in 20, 30 years ago. You know, the original design of the Macintosh was inspired by kitchen appliances more than computers. We wanted to get away from the way the computers looked into a more friendly home appliance sort of thing. So this is an idea that I think is foundational to Apple's DNA as, as a modern company. And I really hope that it regains a little bit of that spirit. But I don't think that's necessarily just because Johnny Ive has been holding his thumb down on that stuff. You know, anytime you get this kind of organic change within a company, there's that opportunity uh, for new voices uh, to come out of the background a little bit. And that's where, where I'm hoping uh, we'll see some change. But it's going to take a while because... There's so much momentum behind all these other products, services, and initiatives that Apple has that it'll probably take time before we see the fruits of that. And bear in mind, Apple designs its products many years out. So possibly the designs for the next MacBook Pro or the one after that are still there. Also, bear in mind, if you look at the MacBook Pro, any of the MacBook line, everything really but the... 27-inch iMac, the iMac Pro, and the Mac Pro, somewhat with the Mac Mini, they are designed in the spirit of the original Mac. Appliances, not intended for you to open them up. It's like the toaster oven. You don't buy a toaster oven and upgrade the mechanics there, upgrade the burning unit. This is the same spirit. Yeah, yeah, I think that that's a that's a really good point, Gene, and I think that you know the, that we see that you know sort of embedded in Apple's DNA. I know that's a, a phrase that you hear Tim Cook use over and over again, but that that combination of where engineering and sort of a humane perspective on technology can take you um, is always very very interesting in, in in Apple's eyes. The thing that I haven't heard anybody talking about with I've leaving Apple is what else is I've going to do? Like this guy's been sitting on cool designs without outside of his collaborations with Mark Newsom and a couple of other things that we've seen from him artistically. I've has been sitting like on his industrial design sensibility with Apple since the 90s. I mean, this is the guy who designed the 20th anniversary Macintosh. You know, this guy has been around forever uh, within Apple. It's going to be really exciting to see, I think, what he and his team of people are going to do with Love From, the new firm that he's he's founded. And, and I'm going to be very excited to see 
how how influential he can be outside of Apple. And remember, the Beatles broke up too. And yeah, at least true. as far as Paul McCartney is concerned, he has had huge success that repeats itself to the present day. His last album, Egypt Station, debuted at number one. The guy is 77. He's still selling out concerts. So the end of the Beatles didn't destroy him. Ringo Starr's guy's all-star band. He's doing pretty well. And then there was the whole Traveling Wilburys thing with with George Harrison. Yeah, you know, I mean, exactly. You know, the, the band breaks up and you end up um, sometimes buying the records for the solo artists, sometimes not. But look, uh, change is essential and change is necessary. Evolution is good for all of us. So I, I don't see Johnny Ive leaving Apple as a bad thing at all. In fact, I'm, I'm delighted. And I'm, uh, I'm hoping that Apple and uh, Johnny are both going to do uh, uh, great design work from here on out. Let's look at Apple's future and things like that. We've heard over the years that Apple eventually will ditch Intel processors and go to a Mac-compatible version of its ARM chips. Now, none other than our friend Brian Chaffin of the Mac Observer made that observation expecting it on the Mac Pro, which didn't happen. We'll get into more of this on the next segment with Peter Cohen. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. for listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. Maybe not today, maybe not tomorrow, but soon you'll need a plan and place to survive. Forget bunkers. You're not a live underground gopher. You need survivalist camps, the ultimate fully functional off-the-grid mobile survival bug out house that's well-equipped and custom-built to outlast any other RV or trailer. Bold statement? You bet. See them now at survivalistcamps.com. That's survivalistcamps.com. Trust your family's survival to survivalistcamps.com. Most of you know that heart disease is the number one silent killer in the U.S. What if I told you for just $54.95 a month you could fight against heart disease naturally? At Heart and Body Extract, we've been helping thousands of people get back to a healthier heart. Don't just take my word for it. Check out all of the success stories at hbextract.com. Or to order, call 866-295-5305. That's 866-295-5305. hbextract.com. Don't risk it when you can take charge of it. USA Radio News with Wendy King. After two major quakes, more aftershocks are expected in Southern California. The 7.1 quake was centered northeast of Los Angeles. Kern County was hit by a 6.4 quake on the 4th of July. In Los Angeles, Mayor Eric Garcetti. So far, no reports of any significant or catastrophic damage. We do have about 1,200 customers without power uh, in the Sherman Oaks Valley Glen area, San Fernando Valley. California's Governor Gavin Newsom is asking President Trump for federal help. Mark Gillarducci is director of the Governor's Office of Emergency Services. Huge priorities right now for medical support and for firefighting and for emergency power. Seismologist Lucy Jones with Caltech and the Geological Survey says more aftershocks will happen. This is an earthquake sequence. It will be ongoing. This is USA Radio News. Money, 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 money. You gotta have it. When you need it, what do you do? If you don't have a rich uncle, 
Call Lending Tree. With us, hundreds of banks compete for your business, so you'll get loans with competitive interest rates, and in some cases, with no closing costs. So here's the deal. If you need money, call us. Do you want to refinance your current loan? Are you 62 or older and interested in a reverse mortgage? Then call Lending Tree now. 800-634-1315. 800-634-1315. We've closed over $250 billion in loans. We know what we're doing and can help you. Call right now for a free quote. 800-634-1315. 800-634-1315. That's 800-634-1315. NMLS number 1136. Do you own a timeshare? Well, you probably now realize it wasn't a good idea and the financial strain it's putting on you and your family has you stressed and you probably think there's no way out. This is Steve Sanchez, and you know I've been an advocate for hardworking Americans just like you for 27 years, and there's a way out of this financial nightmare, and my friends at Wesley Financial, the leading timeshare cancellations company in the country, can help you cancel your timeshare guaranteed. Being lied to, misled, and pressured into buying a timeshare doesn't have to be your story, but freedom of being out of it can be. I have a special free information kit that will give you the step-by-step process that Wesley Financial uses to get you out of your timeshare guaranteed. Call 1-800-501-6100. That's 1-800-501-6100 or visit stevesanchez.info. You don't have to have the financial nightmare of a timeshare any longer. Wesley Financial can help you get out guaranteed. Call 1-800-501-6100. What's going to happen next? You never know when you're listening to the Tech Night Owl live with Gene Steinberg. So obviously with the Mac Pro, Apple went totally into the Intel world again. They're offering this 28-core Intel chip that you can buy it now or a similar version for $7,500. At Newegg or those dealers, obviously Apple will pay less. The point is, for the time being, Apple is still depending heavily on Intel. And considering that the Mac Pro is designed to be something that's going to last a long time, if Apple does go ARM, it would be on the lower end chips and not for a while, unless Intel really screws up more than they have. Yeah, the the fact that Apple... Um didn't debut an ARM chip in uh, the Mac Pro uh, shouldn't be to anybody's surprise. Uh, ARM chips aren't, you know, ready for the high, heavy iron uh, sort of computational work that um, uh, that the Mac Pro needs to do. And it, I think that if you talk to most people who have a good beat on what's going on in the industry, their suspicion is that if Apple did debut um, an ARM processor-based Mac, they would start with a low-end model, you know, a Mac Mini slash MacBook. Um, sort of device or a quasi MacBook device, you know, something between a MacBook and and a uh, uh, and an iPad Pro, maybe in terms of functionality, not in terms of actual design. I'm not talking about a, a tablet or a two-in-one or anything like that, but something computationally between those two devices, because that's really kind of where the ecosystem is. So I, I'm not surprised that, that we didn't see that. And yeah, I think that we've got uh, a while of uh, Intel dependency left. Apple is broadcasting its roadmap pretty clearly. It's telling developers, hey, look, 
if you have all of your expertise wrapped up in developing iOS apps right now, and, uh, you know, especially if, if you're making iPad apps, we're going to give you Project Catalyst as this easy way of migrating um, your apps to the Mac to, to give you the ability to, you know, to, to, to cater to that marketplace if you want to. Um, that's a good first step. You know, Swift UI was another big change that Apple made in uh, th- this year with uh, its recent uh, Worldwide Developers Conference by implementing a, a user interface uh, architecture or API that's unified across multiple platforms. So um, you don't have to sort of relearn how to uh, draw a wheel when you're making a Mac app versus making an iOS app, it's all uh, created under one unified framework. That's great stuff. That's important stuff. And that that is going to lead to these sort of production and operational efficiencies later on. I have no doubt that we're going to get there with the ARM processor, just not this year. So, yeah, I mean, it's still a work in progress, but I think it's an inevitability because uh, we expect Apple wants to control its own silicon from start to finish uh, rather than being dependent on the engineering of other companies uh, to make its products for it. it it's core technology anyway that it really really needs now of course apple made that settlement with qualcomm for several billion dollars largely because intel couldn't perfect its 5g chips so apple has a fixed supply for several years several years they have also hired engineers to design those parts so we know that at some point in time like graphics like cpu apple will bring modem technology into its own company that way it won't be beholden to anybody else anybody's patent lawsuits or anything like that yeah you know like i said it, the, the the problem with um you know apple being dependent on outside vendors for core technologies like cpus modems um, and other things is that if uh, their engineering of new technology does not go as effectively as um, you would like to see, your uh, you know they become uh, the weak link in your supply chain. They become a bottleneck for you. Um, uh, we've certainly seen this in the modem space. You know, or in, in the, I, I guess more to the point, when it comes to cell phones um, and the, the radios they use is what we're really talking about here. And the radios that that the, the you know the, the chips that are in um, Apple iPhones uh, that enable them to communicate with cell towers just aren't as robust and working as well as chips in some other um, uh, cell phones, which is why Apple did its deal with, with Qualcomm that and to, you know, settle out a, a whole bunch of uh, uh, patent issues. And, you know, we'll see those efficiencies improve in the future as well. So CPU, that, you know, obviously Apple is dependent on a huge amount of suppliers, uh, both within and outside of China um, in order to provide it with the necessary components that it needs to build all of its products. So I, I don't I don't want to say, yeah, Apple wants to pull everything in-house. No, of course it doesn't. If it, if it did, then, you know, Apple would start probably with acquiring Foxconn or other companies like Foxconn. Um, and there's no sign of it doing that ever. So uh, Apple doesn't necessarily want to control its own supply chain from start to finish. But key strategic components, I think, are a different issue. And where Apple has the expertise or can acquire the expertise to build out those parts of its company, uh, I think you could argue that it's even corporate malfeasance if Apple doesn't have least do what it needs to to make sure that it's do, that uh, it's getting the best deals that it can so that makes a lot of sense for them and of course the other thing about apple services we hear of course apple news plus 
Apple TV Plus, you know about the gaming thing. I know nothing about it. Arcade. We'll talk about that in a bit. But I'm hearing now, we never know, of course, the stories about Apple being true, that the early publishers who lined up with News Plus aren't getting the income they expected. Now, personal point of view first, I have never seen a reason or have not seen a reason to want to sign up with News Plus. I get what I want from news, and I do have a very cheap subscription to one of the online newspapers. That's it. I get what I need. And I don't need to spend more money for content I will never read. And I think it's going to be a hard sell. It's not like offering exclusive TV programming or games you can't get anywhere else. With news content, it's so ubiquitous, the sale of that is going to be difficult. Yeah. Yeah. First of all, it doesn't surprise me. Uh, This is an Apple's first foray into digital publishing. You know, Apple tried a digital publishing initiative with the iPad after the iPad was launched and it failed. Um, You know, but the the Apple newsstand and News Plus, it's just the latest iteration of this thing that Apple keeps trying. Um, You know, I'm not sure what the right answer is. Uh, I do know, you know, coming at it as I do from the publishing background, that it's increasingly difficult for publishers to make money uh, to justify their existence. And there are a whole bunch of reasons for that. One of the big reasons is because online advertising has really dried up. You know, classified ads used to be the mainstay, of course, at the local newspaper. Um, they're not now that Craigslist exists. And we can argue whether or not the, the world is better off for that. But the bottom line is newspapers aren't seeing that local newspapers aren't seeing those revenues uh, so so they're laying off uh, staff left and right uh, the cost of publishing has has increased in digital publishing you know whether or not you're implementing paywalls or whatever it's gotten harder and harder for these companies to make money and a lot of the companies that are behind these publishing businesses these days are uh, you know finance companies they're not newspaper publishers they don't have um, a long-term perspective on the business. They're interested in maximizing shareholder value. Um, they're interested in uh, extracting as much profit as they can. So They don't have I, ink on their fingers. They don't have ink on their fingers. Exactly right. Very good let, way to put it. Thank you. Let me put in one or two comments here. The New York Times is reporting higher revenues from digital. And the way they offer now is you get 10 free stories and then you sign up. But they offer plans as low as, what, $4 a month. So it's not that you can go broke getting the content of the New York Times. With the Washington Post, now that Jeff Bezos owns it, they have a link up with Amazon. If you're a member of Amazon Prime, you get a really ultra cheap rate to subscribe to the Washington Post. There's still, I think, five or 10 free stories, but that's not enough money to make it a deal breaker. The Wall Street Journal, I don't know. They offer nothing outside the paywall, which is why I don't read their stuff. Yeah. So there. Um, By the way, we got to do our break. One more segment with Peter Cohen. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. Thank you for listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. Do you need a website? Well, you can get a great deal on hosting services with Namecheap's legendary coupon code. 
They're offering substantial hosting discounts on shared hosting, business hosting, VPS hosting, reseller hosting, and even dedicated servers. Namecheap is preferred by millions. It's backed by a money-back guarantee. Use the coupon code LEGENDARY to cash in on the special deal at Namecheap.com, Namecheap.com. First came Attack of the Rockoids, and it was a critically acclaimed success. And now there is the coming of the Protectors. A former military intelligence man is contacted by a space woman in a dream. A dream that turns out to be a nightmare, because evil forces on our distant planet are planning to conquer the Earth. This is gripping science fiction of the classic kind. Attack of the Rockoids and the coming of the Protectors. Find out more at Rockoids.com. That's Rockoids, R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S, dot com. Would you like to get back that full head of hair from years past? Now, there is Reveal. Beverly Hills celebrity dermatologist Dr. Nathan Newman took nearly a decade to develop Reveal from natural botanicals to return to a full-body head of hair. Reveal for men and women with a 30-day money-back guarantee at GCNLife.com or toll-free 844-443-6637. 844-443-6637. Reveal at GCNLife.com. Anytime, any place, anywhere, radio remains the most intimate of all forms of media. At home, at work, in the car, on smartphones. Over 90% of consumers still listen to radio every week. That makes choosing radio as a place to advertise your business one of the best decisions you can make. Email advertise at GCNlive.com and partner up with an experienced GCN representative. Advertise at GCNlive.com. Easy, affordable, effective. Hunters, anglers, campers, and survivalists. Get back to nature. Expand your horizons with the highest quality, most versatile, unique slingshots and slingbows on the market at slingbow.com. Slingbow products are compact and models start from just $17.98. They're perfect for your bug out bag or storing in your vehicle. Give yourself and your loved ones the excitement and tradition of slingbow. A new frontier in archery and truly modern twist on this primitive survival tool. Feel the thrill only at slingbow.com. Extendivite really works. Just listen to what some people have to say. About six months ago, my wife bought Extendivite. She didn't tell me she was giving it to me. So after about three days, I said, maybe, you know, maybe the weather's changed or something. I said, my, my, my legs feel really good. And she goes, well, I've been giving you this stuff, and it was the Extendivite. And you know that I'm about 75% better. I can actually climb stairs now, and I can get up out of chairs. I can I can even get down, and, you know, I got to work under a table or a computer table and work on a computer. I can actually get back up off the floor. You know what? It's an amazing product. I can't believe I didn't think anything short of having surgery was going to help. Extendivite is only $69.95 for a two-month supply of either capsules or liquid. Call now. That's 1-877-928-8822 or visit heartdrop.com. Extend your life with Extendovite. Are you afraid to go to the mailbox because of letter after letter from the IRS? Are they stacking on more and more penalties and interest? By now, you know the problem won't go away on its own. Don't let the IRS chase you to your grave with penalties and interest and liens and levies. You need real help now. I'm Dan Pilla. I wrote the book on tax debt settlement, and I helped thousands of people solve tax problems they thought couldn't be solved. I can help you too. Call 800-34-NO-TAX or go to my website, danpilla.com. That's danpilla.com, danpilla.com. 
What are you listening to? The Tech Night Isle Live with Gene Steinberg. What's going to happen next? You never know. Peter Cohen joining us. And I was talking, of course, about my perception about a News Plus and about the problems there. But I really wanted to focus more on Apple TV Plus. I think they're entering a very crowded market and there's going to be a shakeout soon. There are too many streaming services now. I uh, I agree with you that it's getting to be a very crowded marketplace. And I think that consumers are experiencing a lot of fatigue, too. You know, you've got... Um, Obviously, the the benefit of uh, um, early market positioning uh, when it comes to services like Netflix and Amazon Prime and Hulu, uh, and maybe even CBS All Access and Hulu or Disney Plus and uh, a couple of the other emerging ones. Uh, but Apple TV Plus is going to be entering a very crowded marketplace this fall, and the only way that it's going to be able to differentiate itself is the same way that Netflix and other services have been able to differentiate differentiate themselves, and that's by producing compelling content that you can't find any other anywhere else. That's going to be a tough call. I don't know what Apple's long-term strategy is to do that. You know, the splash that they made at WWDC with some interesting property announcements and the alliance of, of some really high-profile um, Hollywood creators, and especially Oprah Winfrey, is, is good news for Apple. Uh, but we're going to have to see. This is going to take a long time. Um, but it's, it, it, it's not a, a game uh, for uh, anybody with tight purse strings. You know, this is, this is something that Apple's going to have to spend billions on uh, to get well-established and is spending billions on in order to get well-established and really um, uh, develop a strong uh, place in the marketplace. The advantage that they've got, of course, is that Apple TV is a popular device and Apple TV functionality is built in, is being built into more and more smart televisions now. Um, so as Apple TV Plus comes online, most more devices are going to be able to look at it. These are all good things. But yeah, it's a gamble. And I don't know whether or not Apple is, uh, it's going to pay off for Apple, but Apple certainly sees it as a gamble that it has to make right now. So it's a gamble, but um, you know you gotta uh, risk a lot to to get a lot. So uh, you know, we'll, let's see what, what Apple can do. I'll give you the devil's advocate feeling. Apple paraded these big stars to show Hollywood they were serious. But name the last number one TV show that Oprah Winfrey produced. Do I hear silence? J.J. Yeah. Abrams. I mean. When has he made a splash lately? Steven Spielberg with TV shows? You know, big names. Ronald D. Moore, who did Battlestar Galactica. Where's the big th show he's had? M. Night Shyamalan. Sixth Sense and all those movies. He, of course, had problems, too. You have names that people recognize as big. But what have you done for me lately? And I don't see any shows there that are compelling except for some of the sci-fi titles. There's some sci-fi things there that are really compelling to me and maybe some others. But it's going to be maybe the same problem we have with CBS All Access. What do you have with CBS All Access? You have Star Trek Discovery. Coming up, Star Trek Picard, which is Patrick Stewart needed some work at 75 years old or whatever. Where did Captain Picard go after 
he left the Enterprise 20 years later. You've got a spinoff for the show The Good Wife. I don't know of anything else other than Mac CBS content, but then you have to pay for that. Hulu Plus has its stuff. Netflix is losing all the Marvel titles. I just saw the last episode of Jessica Jones watching the final episodes of other shows too, like Travelers. Travelers is a time travel show where travelers in the future will take over the bodies of Earth people, preventing them from a certain death and fulfilling missions. Now, Travelers is interesting because the producer and star is Eric McCormick from Will and Grace. And this shows what a good serious actor he is. He also directed an episode. But that show is finished after this season. So Netflix is running out of stuff. House of Cards, you know, gone. With Amazon Prime, Tom Clancy's Jack Ryan is very well done. But then if you're going to subscribe to a service just for the two shows you like, $5.99, $9.99, doesn't it seem like maybe cable wasn't so bad after all? Well, you know, the interesting thing, I, I, and I, I can only speak anecdotally, I've never done any research to support this, but I know that speaking from my own perspective and the perspective of other family members uh, in my immediate household who I've spoken to, it's, it's my wife and, and my two uh, grown kids um, who I'm, I'm talking to the most about this. First of all, we've cut back our cable bill dramatically. We no longer pay for all of the premium services that we used to. Um, basically the only premium station that we, or a premium broadcast network that we receive anymore is, 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 uh, HBO, uh, because HBO still produces enough compelling original content that, uh, we want to be able to see it when it's actually available and not later. Beyond that, we subscribe to services like Netflix, Hulu, and Amazon Prime. And for the most part, that fills out our entertainment budget um, outside of going to the occasional movie or maybe renting the, the occasional uh, new release from Redbox. We don't really find a need to subscribe to this service or that service. And the fact of the matter is that if something's not available to us, crying out loud, there are like enough shows that are that are compelling enough for us to, to 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 spend our time watching those instead my days of of rabid fandom to consume specific types of properties like for example the marvel stuff that that disney now holds domain over or the star trek stuff that cbs now holds domain over I am no longer interested, or I am certainly not interested for myself, and neither is anybody else in my house, of tithing to a specific property owner uh, for the ability to watch that stuff. So you just don't watch it anymore. The same thing happened when my kids were growing up, you know, 10, 15, 20 years ago, and I wanted to watch cartoons with them. The cartoons that I wanted to watch had all been gobbled up by Turner. So it was on obscure cable stations that I didn't get. So I couldn't show my kids the same sort of stuff that I watched when I was growing up. But you know what? They found their own cartoons that they wanted to watch, and they established their own cultural touchstones and relevance as, you know, post-millennials. 
I wasn't, I was a little heartbroken because I wasn't able to, you know, sort of uh, put my own cultural um, connection to it. But in the same token, you know, pop culture moves at a million miles an hour and always has. So what does it matter really at the end of the day uh, where this stuff is? Yeah, there's going to be shakeouts. There's going to be consolidations. It's going to get messier. It's going to get a lot messier before it gets any better. But in the interim, you just stick your money where you think it's going to be best spent as a consumer and you enjoy the content. And enough of these services is ubiquitous enough now that you really have a lot of choices no matter where where you want to go you know one point here before we go i lived in a motel between apartments for about a year during that time i was locked into whatever the motel offers in terms of tv content i learned then how many shows i can live without because lots of shows that i liked when they started out jumped the shark they get so confusing and befuddled you don't know what's going on marvel's agents of shield i have no idea what's going on it makes no sense. Blind spot is also confusing. It started out with this woman found in a duffel bag at Times Square with all these tattoos that supposedly represent some prediction of some sort. They're way beyond that now. Nothing makes sense. The blacklist is maybe. But the point being here is the TV networks want to continue these shows year after year after year, way, way, way beyond their useful life. Where will Apple go with this? Well, this is an introduction. Obviously, Apple TV or AirPlay 2 will be available on major TV brands, Vizio, LG, Samsung, Sony. It's going to be on the Amazon Fire Stick. It's going to be on Roku. Let's see what happens in this market, whether Apple can find a place or maybe it's too late. I don't know. In about 20 seconds, tell us, do you think Apple at this point is going to have to depend mostly on services with the other stuff kind of no i think that apple will continue to grow its its revenue by offering a combination of compelling uh, hardware products and compelling services i think the services is obviously uh, a, a big growth market for Apple going forward, uh, but that doesn't mean that Apple's going to, to let up or innovate um, on uh, on the hardware front either. So we've got plenty of uh, cool stuff um, to expect from Apple in the future. Peter, where can we find more of your stuff? You can find me online on Twitter at flarg f l a r g h, and on my own site at peter cohen c o h e n dot com. I've enjoyed all the years we've spent together on the air. I'm certainly going to be in touch in the future, hopefully regularly. Peter Cohen, thanks for joining us on the Tech Night Out Live. Thank you, Gene, and thank you very much for uh, giving me a platform to share my opinions uh, so often over the years. I I really appreciate uh, everything that you've done for the Mac community. You are listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. Attack of the Rockoids has been well-received by critics and readers alike. It's a -a thrill-a-minute story you'll never forget. A former U.S. military intelligence officer is haunted by intense dreams about a beautiful woman pleading for his help after a terrible battle in outer space. But the dreams turn out to be true and thrust him into a telepathic love affair with a woman whose faraway planet is intent on destroying the Earth. And now the gripping tale continues in The Coming of the Protectors. It's the second book of the Rockoids trilogy, a galaxy-spanning adventure that pits our hapless heroes against powerful, fanatical enemies that threaten the lives of freedom-loving beings everywhere. 
Attack of the Rockoids, and The Coming of the Protectors. Classic science fiction at its best. Available now. For more details, visit rockoids.com. That's R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S dot com. Do you feel like many of us? All the distractions in the world taking our minds and focus off what really needs to get done day to day? Well, Jeunesse has a dietary supplement called Mind to help with mental distraction and it supports memory function. Go to GCNLife.com now to check it out. You're only at your best when your mind is at its best. Go to GCNLife.com or call toll free 844-443-6637. That's GCNLife.com or 844-443-6637. By now you know that wireless technology like cell phones do in fact pose dangers to the health and privacy of everyone. Blocket Pocket's wide range of products are unmatched in providing the protection you deserve. No scare tactics, just common sense. BlockitPocket.com offers quality American-made options to alleviate and eliminate these invisible dangers. Learn more at BlockitPocket.com or call 888-315-9618. BlockitPocket.com, enhancing health and privacy. Welcome back to Tech Night Out Live, where you never know what's going to happen next. And now, it's Uncle Gene. Yeah, it's him. So the other day, I'm unpacking, and I find this old keyboard, this standard wired Apple aluminum keyboard, the full-size keyboard with the numeric keypad, everything. And the space bar of my Magic keyboard has been wearing because I use it so much for editing recordings, always pressing it to stop and start. Yeah. So I set this keyboard, and you know, I think I'll stick with it. Okay. Forget about the new keyboard. I, I like the wireless element of just not having wires. In fact, I've been going through a process in the past couple of months of minimalizing my office. I used to have stuff piled on my desk, and now I have hardly anything. And those wires would annoy me with my new environment. So I, I, I don't even use a full-width keyboard, and I'll tell you why. I use the old Magic Trackpad, the smaller one with my right hand. And if I have the keyboard with the number pad it makes the trackpad too far away on the right. There's a lot more movement of my hand going from the trackpad to the keyboard. Now, if I could use a trackpad with my left hand, that would be fine, even with the number pad. We all have our problems. Seriously speaking, since moving to a new place, a couple of things I've changed. I no longer wire my Mac to the router because it's giving me good speed, good performance without that wire. That's one wire that's gone. I've simplified my studio setup. I agree with you about simplifying things as you get older, maybe. That's part of the game. Anyway, seriously, obviously this is the last time we'll be talking to Kirk McElhern on the Tech Night Out Live because this is the last show, and he's been one of our favorite guests. And all along, he's told us, as the former iTunes guru for Macworld Magazine, how he thinks that Apple needs to make some big changes. In iTunes, I don't want to say Apple's listening to you, but for Mac OS X Catalina, the iTunes of old will be very different. Well, the iTunes will be very different, and and I need to react about people 
saying that iTunes is dead because it isn't really dead. The iTunes brand still exists. The iTunes store still exists. 90% of people who use iTunes, if not more, will still be using iTunes because the only changes they're making are to Mac OS. So the Windows version of iTunes is not going to change, at least not yet. And I can't see Apple making that change on Windows, given the way Windows works. And, you know, they don't want multiple applications. But we did speak some months ago, and I said that my idea was to, to make a separate music app uh, to allow people who just want to play music to use that. It was already announced that they were going to make a separate podcast and TV app. The only thing I didn't count on, and actually this kind of makes sense, is if you remember we were talking, you know, would they need another sync app in order to sync iOS devices the way iTunes used to, or does, or soon will used to. And I hadn't thought that they would take the sync features out of iTunes and add them to the bloated finder. So now everyone who complains about iTunes being bloated can complain even more about the finder being bloated. You just can't win. You know, these things do a lot. And so my argument about software bloat for something like iTunes is that this is an app that does a lot and it has to do a lot. But if you're not doing podcasts and videos, and audiobooks, you can hide the libraries. You don't need to see any of this. So the bloat is only in in your subconscious thinking it's bloated. You can hide everything you don't want to use. In my Take Control of iTunes book, I explain how to make a minimalist iTunes. Obviously, this won't apply after Catalina, where you can hide pretty much everything you don't want. You can just have your own music library. You can get rid of all the other libraries, the audiobooks and videos and all that in the sidebar. You can get rid of toolbars and you can turn off the store and you can make it a really minimal music player. Now, you won't have the same options in Catalina. And in some ways, people who were using iTunes for music only and who were customizing the way it was displaying won't have the same options. And they'll have to see more. They'll have to see Apple Music. In the current state of the public beta, uh, there aren't the same customization options as they were previously. So there are some people who will find that the new music app does more than they want. Now, the thing about Mac OS X Catalina, it's now, I think, in a second public beta and maybe third developer release. I lost track of the numbers. But I am not running Catalina yet, not because I wouldn't want to take a chance, but I can't run it on my main Mac because there are two apps I use that will never be 64-bit compatible. Yeah. One is the levelator. Yep. which we use for normalizing and adjusting levels for my radio shows. Development stopped several years ago. It will never be 64-bit. There's also a little scripting utility called Stitch, which comes with Sound Studio from Feltip software. And it, I use that to stitch the separate segments of the show when we make the premium version. Now, there are other ways of doing that. It's not the only way. I just happen to like the way that's done. That's also 32-bit. But the publisher of Sound Studio says they're going to have another solution soon. But until they have that solution, I don't use Mac OS X Catalina. I also have an old version of Photoshop that won't run either. But we'll worry about that later. We'll cross that bridge when we come to it. Or I'll find a way to do it in Pixelmator or something. Well, for your Stitch app, you could use Audio Hijack's Fission to paste files together. That works really well. You you open one file, you drag another file to the end, and then you just save it. So that's possible. Uh, I agree about the levelator. Aren't there other tools? What do you do your editing in? GarageBand? No, I use Sound Studio. And does Sound Studio not have uh, 
a normalization feature? It has a normalization feature, but none of the normalization features I've tried does it as well as Levelator. Yeah, that's what a lot of people told me. I've never used Levelator myself, but I know it's a problem. Uh, on my end, the only software I have that's a problem is I have a um, Fujitsu ScanSnap document scanner. It's the kind where you can put like 10 pages in a row and it'll scan them all at OCRs and their software is not going to be updated. Uh, there are newer ScanSnap snap devices. I bought this in late 2012. There are newer devices that are 64-bit. Um, they're quite expensive and apparently the software isn't very good. It has all this cloud connection. You can only use it on one Mac. Uh, people are really negative about it. So I'm going to wait and see, but while I don't scan a lot, I do basically keep my business as paperless as possible. Um, so anytime I get a paper invoice, I will have to scan it or any other paper document, uh, you know, business doc. Um, but other than that, all my software is going to be up to date. I haven't seen anything. You know, you get these warnings every now and then in um, Mojave. If your software is 32-bit, it says something like your software will, ha will have to be optimized. Well, with the case of Levelator, I think it's open source. I think it's possible for somebody else to say, you know what, this is something a lot of people need and maybe develop a 64-bit version. Put it in the App Store, maybe charge $4.99 a copy. I bet people will buy it. Well, maybe we should recommend to um, Rogue Amoeba Software that they do something. Uh, Rogue Amoeba makes Fission, they make Audio Hijack. Um, maybe they could come out with a tool like that. I have mentioned it to them a couple of times. I haven't gotten okay. a solid answer. I know you have some ins with that company. Maybe you and I together will emphasize yeah, I'll, I'll, this will be very useful. It could be a feature of, now it has to be batch recording. It's not as you do the recording. It's something where you do the recording later. You do it after. After. Yeah. So there ought to be some way of doing that. Maybe fishing would be a way to add the feature. It could be a feature in fishing or it could be a standalone tool. Have you tried Audacity? Audacity, I don't like what they do either. Now, maybe okay. there are ways of doing it in Audacity that will be more effective. It does have a normalization feature. Again, I've not used it, um, but it's maybe worth looking into. I used the one in Amadeus Pro. I wasn't happy about it. I'll okay. play with other options. Listeners, if you have any ideas, just drop us a line. Tech Night Owl will still be on Twitter. Kirk McElhern will be where he is for the next 45 years. So one hmm. way or the other... We'll get this all figured out. And maybe there are other solutions. I have seen one or two others, but they cost an arm, a leg, and a foot. Yeah. And I don't want to pay an arm, and a leg, and a foot to replace a free utility. I really resent that. Yeah, these are tools that are made for people doing, you know, big-time radio programs and all. So, Well, this um, is a big-time radio program, and the Powercast will continue, but, you know, there's no budget. More with Kirk McElhern on the Tech Night Owl Live. Attack of the Rockoids has been well-received by critics and readers alike. It's a thrill-a-minute story you'll never forget. A former U.S. military intelligence officer is haunted by intense dreams about a beautiful woman pleading for his help after a terrible battle in outer space. But the dreams turn out to be true and thrust him into a telepathic love affair with a woman whose faraway planet is intent on destroying the Earth. And now the gripping tale continues in The Coming of the Protectors. It's the second book of the Rockoids trilogy. 
a galaxy-spanning adventure that pits our hapless heroes against powerful, fanatical enemies that threaten the lives of freedom-loving beings everywhere. Attack of the Rockoids and The Coming of the Protectors, classic science fiction at its best, available now. For more details, visit rockoids.com. That's R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S dot com. Jake was in big trouble with the IRS. He owed how much? $92,000. Ouch. The IRS left no room for Jake to breathe. They put a lien on my house, took all the money out of my bank account, took money out of my paychecks. So it was a nightmare. He needed help fast. I figured that all these companies were the same until I called federal tax management. You could just tell they knew what they were talking about. Right then and there, I felt like I had some hope. Stop the liens, levies, and garnishments fast and qualify for one of several special IRS programs that could reduce or even eliminate your tax debt. So, how'd it go for Jake? They did what they said they would do. They came through for me. I ended up saving an unbelievable amount. I was so jazzed. (laughs) I was extremely happy. If you owe more than $10,000 in back taxes... Take Jake's advice. Give federal tax management a phone call. If they help me, they can help anybody. Call the federal tax management hotline now. 800-503-8625. By now you know that wireless technology like cell phones do in fact pose dangers to the health and privacy of everyone. Blockit Pocket's wide range of products are unmatched in providing the protection you deserve. No scare tactics, just common sense. BlockitPocket.com offers quality American-made options to alleviate and eliminate these invisible dangers. Learn more at BlockitPocket.com or call 888-315-9618. BlockitPocket.com, enhancing health and privacy. Individuals and businesses with tax problems, listen carefully. Do you feel like you're losing control over your finances? If you owe over $10,000 in back taxes or have unfiled tax returns, we can help you take back control. The IRS is the largest and most aggressive collection agency in the world, and they can seize your bank account, garnish your paycheck, close your business, and file criminal charges. Take control of your tax problems now by calling the experts at Tax Mediation Services and take advantage of the Fresh Start program and new laws that may allow us to negotiate a settlement for the lowest amount possible. Our team of tax attorneys and enrolled agents can stop collections and get you protected so you can take control of your financial future. Tax Mediation Services is accredited by the Better Business Bureau. Call now for a free case review and a price protection guaranteed quote. Call Tax Mediation Services now at 800-301-5435. That's 800-301-5435. 800-301-5435. Would you like to get back that full head of hair from years past? Now, there is Reveal. Beverly Hills celebrity dermatologist Dr. Nathan Newman took nearly a decade to develop Reveal from natural botanicals to return to a full body head of hair. Reveal for men and women with a 30-day money-back guarantee at GCNLife.com or toll-free 844-443-6637. 844-443-6637. Reveal at GCNLife.com. We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Tech Night Owl Live, please send it to news at technightowl.com. That's news at technightowl.com. If you'd like to discuss today's show with fellow night owls, visit our community forums at forum.technightowl.com. That's forum.technightowl.com.
Okay, I want to talk about the end of a major cultural institution. In fact, two of them. One of them is the Tech Night Owl Live. Uh, as you said earlier, 17 years. How many episodes does that make? Well, we've done a few repeats, but if you multiply that 52 weeks a year by 17. So more than 800 episodes. That's a lot of gene. Yes, maybe too much of me. And we'll keep okay. doing it until we get it right. Seriously, this is the last episode, but the Paracast has been on since 2006. So that's okay. 13 years, a little, almost 13 and a half years now. Okay, but we're also witnessing the end of an extremely important cultural institution. Mad Magazine is not going to publish anymore. Or, as they say, they're not going to publish new material, which means maybe they'll publish anthologies and best-ofs and, and things by specific um, writers and specific artists. Mad Magazine is my childhood. It was my initiation into the world of crazy. Here's a tidbit. My first published writing was in Mad Magazine. It was a letter I wrote into Mad Magazine. Imagine how it feels for a 10-year-old kid, maybe even nine, to get their monthly issue of Mad Magazine and see that their letter was published. Well, you know what? I met my first wife not through Mad Magazine, but by having my letter published in a publication called Forbidden World, not Forbidden Planet, Forbidden Worlds, a comic book in the 60s. And I okay. had this letter published. And this young girl from Alabama wrote them and they forwarded her mail to me. And we started writing. That's funny. And we got married, what, about eight years later? The marriage did break up, but we're still in touch. That's like meeting someone on Twitter and getting married. The, the historical <laughs> version of meeting someone on Twitter. Well, it's pen pal. I think a yeah, pen exactly. pal. Yeah. See, Twitter is, you know, now 288 characters. I don't think you get to know somebody as well. well but you, but when you, you can write a five-page letter, you know, it's different. Yes, but if you do direct messaging, you can do longer. Um, but Mad Magazine was incredibly subversive. Uh, you know, the satire they had making fun of reality, even politics, it, it gave me a different viewpoint on political things. Now, when I was young, I used to read Mad Magazine every month. And I used to buy their books. They made these paperback books that sold for a buck each. They were, I don't know, 160 pages. They weren't very big. They were collections of stories and drawings and, and things. In the store, where I bought books near, near where I lived in Queens, they didn't have too many of these books. They'd only get some occasionally. So I found where Mad Magazine's office was. I believe it was on Madison Avenue in Manhattan. And I went in there one day. And I asked if I could buy the books and they took me into the mailroom and there was a really nice guy who they had all the books on shelves. And he said, you know, what do you want? And he took me to meet Bill Gaines. And I don't remember who else I met. A few of the artists were there and it was really cool. I didn't meet Don Martin. I would have liked to have, meet, have met him. In Bill Gaines's office, there was this big gorilla face looking in the window like King Kong. I still remember that. Mad Magazine. I use that in promoting the premium version of my shows. I say our price, $1.49 a week, cheap. Yes. And I wonder how many people other than you and I know where that comes from. People from our generation know where that comes from. But right. we're an old generation and, you know, it's going away. Well, speak for yourself. I'm not going away. I'm still going to be here. Now, in... Looking over the history of the show and what the future is going to bring, when we first started in 2002, it was the Mac, it was the iPod. The yeah. iPod, I don't even think, had been available with the software for Windows. iTunes wasn't available for Windows then. So 
Apple began to really take off with the iPod. And the iPhone came six years after the iPod. And everybody thought that Apple comes out with a brand new product every year. So it was six years, iPod, iPhone, three more years for the iPad, the Apple Watch, three or four more years. When did the Apple Watch debut? 2014? 2015, I think. All right, it's five years. Yeah. So Apple doesn't reinvent the wheel or do something major every hour, like some people think. Well, they don't need to. That's true. But the one thing I think that really remains kind of a stillborn is Apple TV, which was the first. And now Roku and Amazon Fire and Google kind of supplanted, has a very small market share. And what Apple's doing now, which is different than what Apple's done before, except for a very brief and unsuccessful foray into Mac OS licensing in the 90s, is to provide AirPlay 2 to all the major TV makers. Vizio, Sony, Samsung, LG. It's apparently also going to be available, the Apple TV app, on Roku and Amazon. Yeah. So you won't need the Apple TV because what it provides, I mean, it doesn't give you all the extra bells and whistles, but the fundamental things, the TV shows, iTunes, Apple TVs Plus, will be available to millions and millions of people. Yeah, in doing that, they're admitting that the Apple TV is a failure in the sense that it's not getting a big enough market and that they want that market to extend now beyond people who are renting movies through iTunes and be particular with the Apple TV Plus. I, I, my TV is, isn't recent enough to get the update, to get the app. I believe it's, I have an LG, I think it's 2018 or even 2019 and later that are going to get the app. Mine's from 2016. But I still prefer the Apple TV, and and here's why. I can rearrange the interface a lot easier, and as bad as the remote is in not being able to tell which side you're picking up on, it's only got a few buttons. Anytime I pick up my TV remote and I want to pause something, I, I have to keep looking every time for the pause button. Now, I know I could buy a universal remote, but I did that years ago, and it was just too much of a hassle. So my um, device of choice is still the Apple TV as much as possible. I found that after I got a Vizio TV that the company sent me for review, an extended forever review, I had, of course, Netflix built in. You didn't have to use the casting app. It was one button on the remote. Amazon Prime, Vudu, which is the Walmart version of iTunes in the sense you can download movies and rent them. I did this, and suddenly I realized after about six months, I had not used my Apple TV. It still sits Mm. on the shelf. Now, in terms of support for the new feature, the AirPlay 2 and the Apple TV app, Vizio tells me any one of their smart sets from 2016 on will support it. It's already available in a public beta. If you go to the Vizio site, you can check it. As far as the other TV makers, check with them. It may not be something that requires a brand new set. Well, they did say at the CES that it would be 2018 and later. Um, I'm just looking on the web. I'm not finding anything yet. I'll, I'll look later when we're finished. Well, the, um, the PR guy from Vizio told me 2016 and later. But again, yeah, that's fine. But, but mine being LG, I don't think they're going to go that route. Mine is a, an LG, my TV. 
Well, you know, there's how it goes. Each yeah. company is going to do their own thing. But soon, tens of millions of people will have access to the Apple TV services, if not the product. we got more to come with Kirk McElhern. I'm Gene Steinberger in the Tech Night Out Live. Thank you for listening to GCN. Be sure to visit GCNlive.com today. Most of you know that heart disease is the number one silent killer in the U.S. What if I told you for just $54.95 a month you could fight against heart disease naturally? At Heart and Body Extract, we've been helping thousands of people get back to a healthier heart. Don't just take my word for it. Check out all of the success stories at hpextract.com. Or to order, call 866-295-5305. That's 866-295-5305. hpextract.com. Don't risk it when you can take charge of it. Complement your health with hemp-derived cannabinoid oil. We've always believed that the closer to Earth, the better it is for our bodies. Our hemp-derived cannabinoid oil is phytocannabinoid-rich, full-spectrum, and organically grown. Finally, hemp made easy, clean, and effective. GCNHemp.com or call 877-878-4203. That's right, we cut through the red tape. It's now available at GCNHemp.com or call 877-878-4203. USA Radio News with Wendy King. After two major quakes, more aftershocks are expected in Southern California. The 7.1 quake was centered northeast of Los Angeles. Kern County was hit by a 6.4 quake on the 4th of July. In Los Angeles, Mayor Eric Garcetti. So far, no reports of any significant or catastrophic damage. We do have about 1,200 customers without power uh, in the Sherman Oaks Valley Glen area, San Fernando Valley. California's Governor Gavin Newsom is asking President Trump for federal help. Mark Gillarducci is director of the Governor's Office of Emergency Services. Huge priorities right now for medical support and for firefighting and for emergency power. Seismologist Lucy Jones with Caltech and the Geological Survey says more aftershocks will happen. This is an earthquake sequence. It will be ongoing. This is USA Radio News. Money, 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 money. You gotta have it. When you need it, what do you do? If you don't have a rich uncle, call Lending Tree. With us, hundreds of banks compete for your business, so you'll get loans with competitive interest rates, and in some cases, with no closing costs. So here's the deal. If you need money, call us. Do you want to refinance your current loan? Are you 62 or older and interested in a reverse mortgage? Then call Lending Tree now. 800-634-1315. 800-634-1315. We've closed over $250 billion in loans. We know what we're doing and can help you. Call right now for a free quote. 800-634-1315. 800-634-1315. That's 800-634-1315. NMLS number 1136. 
When you have a pain in the neck, a real pain in the neck, back, shoulder, or legs, you now have two convenient choices to get fast relief without taking another pill. Because now, Sunny Bay heating wraps and pillows are available at both Amazon and Walmart. Yes, see Sunny Bay's four and a half to five star customer reviews on Amazon.com or Walmart.com. Our microwavable heat wraps, heatable neck pillows, and extra large body wraps are designed better for perfect support where and when you need it. Even while driving, Sunny Bay wraps will not burn and stay balanced to provide soothing hot or cold therapy to help treat temporary or chronic pain. And the best part, Sunny Bay quality products start at under $20. Join thousands of happy customers and see why Sunny Bay products have a lifetime 100% positive rating on both Amazon and Etsy. It's easy. Click Amazon or Walmart and search today for Sunny Bay. You're listening to the Tech Night Owl Live with Gene Steinberg. You never know what's going to happen next. One of the things that Kirk and I have talked about over the years, especially since he moved to the UK, and his internet performance was, quote, pathetic, end quote. <laughs> now, he tells me that things are different. He lives in a new universe now where he doesn't need internet. He just opens his mind. And no, no I, I have a few weeks ago, about a month ago, I got um, fiber to the property. I have 300 megabit down and 50 megabits up. And it is changing the way I work. Well, the way I live, yes, but the way I work, because some of my work involves uploading and downloading large files. You were mentioning the Catalina public betas and developer betas. They are six and a half gigabytes each. They, they would take an hour, an hour and a half for me to get before. Now they take 10 minutes. I do screencasts, I do podcasts, and when I have to upload files, like a screencast, it's 150 megabytes. Since I only had one megabit up before, it could take 45 minutes to upload that to a client. Client says, oh yeah, but you gotta fix this, do it again, another 45 minutes, it's just incredibly slow. So 300 megabits, which means I can get 4K TV, among other things, but it's just, it makes my life at work so much easier. Now, with fiber to the home, they can give you gigabit, right? My uh, router syncs at a gigabit, but the engineer told me that they're currently only marketing, they're marketing, I think, 150 and 300. He thinks they'll start marketing a gigabit at some point, but the router is syncing to the exchange at one gigabit. But why would I need a gigabit? Seriously. Well, I don't have anything near 300. I get pretty decent speeds. My upload is 10. Now that's... Yeah. Wee bit slow, but I'm really only uploading files to the server for my radio show. And they're not very large files. No, no, there's the you full premium the... version of the PowerCast is like 115 megabytes. It takes a couple of minutes. It's no big deal. Yeah. With my upload speed, I can now do online backups, which I really like. I really like the ability to have this offsite backup. Um, it took a week to get my four terabytes of documents, music, and videos up the backblaze but now it just runs smoothly so well, my really backblaze cool. has been filled for a while i didn't start from scratch from the various places i've been yeah so it's the first time it's very it. slow after right. that you know it's only doing as you change files but this is a huge difference so they were telling me that in new builds around here um and there are actually thousands of houses being built maybe within five ten miles of where i live they're not even putting copper cables anymore they're just putting fiber in 
they're considering that fiber is the only way to go. And the engineer was telling me they have fewer support calls. They have fewer, you know, call outs because the, the copper can get interference. It can get damaged, whereas the fiber is, you know, he was showing me it's it's shielded like with 10 layers of shielding. You know, water can't damage the, the cables or anything. So they're thinking long term, it's going to save the money in in technical support. Now, for existing homes, especially in the U.S., they're not going to change everything to fiber. I mean, Verizon tried that with the Fios service. Well, but that's because you have cable. We don't have cable. Exactly. Now, I'll tell you what they've done with cable. They have a new system called Doxis 3.1, where it's kind of a you know multicasting kind of feature. And they can get, like Cox and the other services, up to one gigabit download. But the upload's capped at 35, which isn't bad. That's pretty good. Yeah. And it's only like $10 more than the 300 megabit service because it doesn't require much more. It just requires replacing the modem, the cable modem. Now, you still have people like CenturyLink that's using copper. And they can bond two connections together to get 100 megabits. That requires like taking two phone lines and making it to one. All that trickery, it can't last forever. No, but they are finding ways of, as you say, it's a kind of multicasting. It's sending things at multiple frequencies. Exactly. But the question I have here is, you went to 300, 50 up, 50 up, 300 down. How much? Mm -hmm. Uh, 65 pounds a month. What's that, like $90 US? Uh, Let's check Spotlight, $82 a month. I was close. That's good. It's less than Cox charges. Cox charges, I think, 100. Yeah. That's very good. Now, you get Netflix, of course. Uh, I have Netflix. What I've been doing lately is I've been keeping my Netflix up for a few months and then canceling for a few months because I don't find there's a whole lot of great stuff. Um, I re-upped it in June for the Bob Dylan documentary, and I re-upped it at 4K, but it's 12 pounds a month for 4K. It used to be 8 pounds a month for the regular. They raised the prices a pound each, and for 4K, it's 12 pounds. That starts getting to be a lot of money. I do the same thing you do. Now, when we were in a hotel and we didn't have really good selection of shows, I would get Netflix for a couple of months. Not the 4K version. I don't have a 4K set there. I would just yeah. play it through my Mac. I get it for a couple of months, watch all the shows, and cancel. And they tell you, I think you have up to six months to re-up, and it keeps all your settings. So shows I yeah. started six months ago, I just re-up, and it's all there. It all picks up. And part of the thing, too, is the fact that Netflix is losing all the shows I liked. Yeah, that's true, all the superhero things. All the Marvel stuff is in its final seasons. Jessica Jones, The Punisher finishing up. Travelers, kind of a time travel sci-fi show from Brad Wright of Stargate SG-1 fame, featuring Eric McCormick, Will and Grace. Three seasons. I like the show. It's gone. Mm -hmm. Last season, last year. So with House of Cards, of course, we had the scandal with Kevin Spacey in a final shortened season. With Robin Wright, gone. So I don't have much reason to watch Netflix. I think we're going to cancel in a couple of weeks. So what's left? CBS All Access has Star Trek Discovery and now Star Trek Picard. It's not worth spending for. And that raises a big argument here. We have Apple TV Plus. 
Apple yeah, brought but out Apple TV Plus is only going to be their own content. It's not going to be it's not going to be back catalog content. At least that's not they that's not what they explained when they presented it. Right, but then again, what are they going to charge for a dozen couple of dozen shows? I don't know, but how quickly can you watch a couple dozen shows and get to the end of what you're interested in and how easy will it be to cancel and re-up again? I have a feeling it's going to be bundled as an extra for something. I kind of think they're going to sell an, a bundle with Apple Music, with Apple News, because the Apple News uptake doesn't seem to be very, very good. But there's a lot of people, there's 50 million Apple Music subscribers now, and it would be easier to tack this new stuff on to Apple Music for existing subscribers than it would be to sell each of them individually. Right. But I think there'd be people who say, why should I have to get Apple Music? To get these TV shows. But I don't think you'll have to. I think it'll be an option. I think it'll also have to be a lot cheaper. It can't be nine ninety five a month for a no. couple of dozen shows. There has to be more involved there. Also, yeah, I'm still kind of skeptical about what they're bringing out because right now they bring out these big stars to the Apple presentation in March. We have Oprah Winfrey, J.J. Abrams, Steven Spielberg. When was the last time Oprah Winfrey had a number one TV show or ever, of course, her interview show. I'm talking about TV drama. I don't know if she's produced anything like that. Okay. Steven Spielberg obviously is a big name, but he's a producer. He's not going to be, I don't think he's going to be directing anything for Apple. Steven Spielberg's Amblin Productions has some TV shows. They quit supporting Bull, which is the show from Michael Weatherly, formerly of NCIS, because of alleged, you know, sexual improprieties charged mm-hmm. there. So Amblin pulled out there. But Steven Spielberg, what has he done lately? Number one TV show? Well, that show, which they were a participating producer, did fairly well. J.J. Abrams, what has he done lately? Obviously, he's worked on Star Wars. He has brought out those... He's worked star- on Star Wars. I mean, he's mostly known for Lost and a couple of other series like that. They're gone. Long ago, far away. Yeah. He also did, produced and directed... Some of the Star Trek reboot, the first one he directed. That's I think right, the, the one with the lens one. flare. And then, right, the th- after the third Star Trek reboot, Star Trek Beyond, didn't do so well. They may not make any more because Chris Pine wants too much money because he's famous because of the Wonder Woman movies. we got more to come with Kirk McElhern. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. <laughs> Thank you for listening to GCN. Be sure to visit GCNlive.com today. As you know, neighbors, web hosting can be pretty cheap, but not all hosting is the same. DreamHost wins best of awards year after year. You get unlimited disk space, unlimited bandwidth, and even the low-cost plans put your sites on high-performance SSDs. Want to know more about what DreamHost has to offer? Go to technightowl.com slash host. Once again, that's technightowl.com slash host. 
First came Attack of the Rockoids, and it was a critically acclaimed success. And now there's The Coming of the Protectors. A former military intelligence man is contacted by a space woman in a dream. A dream that turns out to be a nightmare, because evil forces on our distant planet are planning to conquer the Earth. This is gripping science fiction of the classic kind. Attack of the Rockoids and The Coming of the Protectors. Find out more at Rockoids.com. That's Rockoids, R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S, dot com. Have you checked your Google search results lately? Search results are usually the first impression that people form of you or your business. So make sure that they create a positive impression with Reputation Defender. What the Internet says about you can have a big impact on your life and your livelihood, even if it's not true. Fortunately, you can now control how you look online and in online search results with Reputation Defender. Call 800-831-0771 now. That's 800-831-0771 for your free reputation analysis. If you have negative material from an ex-employee, upset patient, or former client, newspaper article, legal issue, social media, or other source showing up in your search results, you can combat it with Reputation Defender. Our dedicated experts in patented technology can help make your online search results look their best. Call 800-831-0771 to learn more. 800-831-0771. That's 800-831-0771. Hi, this is Paul, otherwise known to the listeners as Mr. Kate Delaney. The missus has come up with an amazing solution to what plagues most of us, that nagging feeling you're meant to do something more. After more than a decade of her best interviews with world-class mentors and her own groundbreaking life experiences, Deal Your Own Destiny is finally here, presented to you by Forbes Books. Reading Kate's book is like sitting down with a trusted friend who has a lifetime of wisdom to share. Some of what you'll discover in this book includes learning how to play to your strengths, finding people who lift you up, and how to make the right moves to become extraordinary. No matter where you are on your journey, this book will give you inspiration and the tools you need to get to where you want to be, whatever that means to you. No one gets to decide the hand they're dealt in life, so become the dealer. Get Deal Your Own Destiny on Amazon.com or at booksellers near you. Maybe not today, maybe not tomorrow, but soon you'll need a plan and place to survive. Forget bunkers. You're not a live underground gopher. You need survivalist camps, the ultimate fully functional off the grid mobile survival bug out house that's well equipped and custom built to outlast any other RV or trailer. Bold statement, you bet. See them now at survivalistcamps.com. That's survivalistcamps.com. Trust your family survival to survivalistcamps.com. Tahibo Tea Club's original pure Pau Arco Super Tea comes from the only tree in the world that fungus doesn't grow on. So it naturally has antifungal, antiviral, antibacterial, anti-infection, anti-inflammation, and anti-parasite properties. But maybe more importantly, Tahibo Tea Club's original pure Pau Arco Super Tea builds corpuscles in the blood which carry oxygen to our organs and cells. Our organs and cells need oxygen to regenerate themselves. The immune system needs oxygen. You're listening to the Tech Night Owl live with Gene Steinberg. You never know what's going to happen next.
final segment of the show. Final segment with. Oh, no. Final segment. This is it. It's over. It's over. Well, I just want to I just want to react about one thing you said about Netflix over here. I can get on Netflix, Star Trek, Star Trek Voyager, Star Trek Enterprise, Star Trek Deep Space Nine, Star Trek The Next Generation and Star Trek Discovery. All that's on Netflix in the UK. Here, of course, CBS has their own system. Now, this is the big problem that Apple's running into a very crowded market. Everything is scattered. So Disney is going to bring out Disney Plus or something. Warner's has something for DC Comics. Hulu, CBS All Access, all these services, Amazon it's not Prime. Just it's right, though. The problem is that people are ending up with subscriptionitis. Have you looked at how many subscriptions you have, not just for TV and internet and phone and everything else, but add all your apps? I found an app on the iOS app store that I've installed on my iPhone, and it keeps track of all my subscriptions and the dates they're paid. It's called Bobby, B-O-B-B-Y. I think it's free for three subscriptions, and it's like two bucks for a pro version for unlimited. The number of subscriptions I have, you know, websites, my email hosted on G Suite, and, and all these other things, they all add up. And there's just too many subscriptions. So I think people are going to start looking for a bundle like a cable bundle. Remember, people were complaining about the cable bundle, things they don't want. But I think the hassle of paying so many things, of having payments at different days for different subscriptions, is going to make people turn around and look for some way to bundle things again. And what some of the cable companies are doing in this country is they are including Netflix on their cable boxes. So you get Amazon Prime and Netflix on contour boxes from Cox. For example, Xfinity, I think, from Comcast offers Netflix. So what they'll do is they'll bundle some of the premier services and make it like HBO. You get an extra channel and you pay extra for it. It'll be like HBO and Showtime, but make it part of your cable bundle. Which means, of course, now, if this progresses, it will go full circle. We gave up the cable because it was getting too expensive going up every month. And then we have these individual services, Netflix and everything. And now there's so many of them, you're going to have to cut back. I won't subscribe to a lot of these places because I can't afford it. I keep basic cable and Netflix sometimes. I'm too far away to use an antenna. Yeah. We don't watch enough TV for this to be really useful. We have Amazon Prime. So there's plenty of things on Amazon Prime that we like to watch. But the idea of paying for yet another service for something that at the end of the month, I'll feel, well, you know, I didn't watch this, so I don't feel like throwing the money away. They're thinking that at 10 or 6 bucks a month or whatever, people won't notice, but I think a lot of people do notice. Well, I know the uptake of Apple News Plus has been pathetic. Uh, yeah, in fact, there have been some information about publishers saying that they're really unhappy about how much they're making. What did I see that some... They're making one-fifth of what they were making on, what was the name of the series that was before the series, the, the service that Apple bought out, the magazine thing? On the tip of my tongue. point of here is that Apple is entering this market. They've got some pretty big names. And the only question I have to say is, what have they done for us lately? Yeah. You know, Ronald D. Moore gave us Battlestar Galactic, a great show. He worked on some of the Star Trek series. He's going to have a new series. All right. But what else has he done lately? How long ago was the reboot of Battlestar Galactica? We're almost out of time. We've got to get back to the Mac and talk about the biggest 
Mac development recently. And I find it coincidental that Johnny Ive is leaving Apple around the same time that you're ending the Tech Night Owl Live. I wonder if there's something going on between the two of you. Um, well, I have to talk to Sir John next time I see him. Yeah, there have been a lot of articles pointing out that Ive hasn't been, you know, directly involved with design for several years since the Apple Watch came out. And that's probably true, but arguably he has changed the, the face of technology. And, and there, there's probably no one more influential in design of everyday objects than Johnny Ive. But remember, Johnny Ive was influenced by Dieter Rams, who is probably the most influential designer of the 20th century. But there's all sorts of design that has changed so much because of Johnny Ive and because of Dieter Rams that things are going to change. They really are. Remember, anything that he worked on, assuming he did a lot of work on it because he did the new Apple campus and everything, anything he worked on or will work on before he leaves, it's five years into the future. Yeah. Also, he's going to have this design studio, which allegedly will still do business with Apple. Yeah, but that's, you know, they're going to do business for Apple. What's he going to do? He's going to do some voiceovers so they can have him say aluminum when they're presenting a new MacBook Pro. He's saying that because they don't want the Apple stock price to tank. I'm really not convinced that he's necessarily going to be doing a lot of work for Apple. He might do some consulting occasionally. You know, that's just a cover for Apple. So it doesn't look like he's abandoning them. As you say, there's five years to go. But what I'm thinking is he stopped working on Apple hardware when he started working on the campus. So we might be nearing the end of that five-year period. Now, this could be a good thing because we've been under the tyranny of Johnny Ives' design for 30 years. And maybe some new designers are going to come in and do things, you know, younger people looking at things differently, maybe do things better than what we had expected that what Ive might have done in the coming years. But it is a, it's the biggest change in Apple since, you know, since Steve Jobs died. But remember, after Steve Jobs died, Apple's sales continued to go up and soar. So it didn't do so badly. The question well, there would was be a lot then, of inertia. Yeah. Right now, the question is, what will the new products be? Will there be major changes in existing products? Like, for example, will thin is everything go away to include a little practicality? You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, as we know, Apple is looking towards services more than hardware in the future. And, you know, we've just been talking about Apple News Plus and Apple TV Plus and et cetera. Uh, it's very likely that the hardware is going to be secondary to the services in coming years, that the hardware won't go away. But the company can't really depend on a single product for two thirds of its revenue, which is the case of the iPhone, especially if you consider, imagine if this trade war with China isn't resolved and if there are tariffs, you know, Apple's supply chain is all in China, almost essentially. So it is a bit risky for them. I'm not negative on Apple in any way. I think the company is going to do fine. I think they've gotten over a couple of bumps. The iPhone is solid, but it's a commodity. The iPad is solid, but it's becoming a commodity. I don't think what we're seeing in the Mac Pro is going to touch the bottom line because it's for a very limited number of people. But at least it shows that Apple's doing something on the high end. I want to see Apple make a standalone display. I want to see a mini version of the Mac Pro. So a desktop Mac for everyone that you can work with a, a standalone display instead of the built-in display like an iMac. And imagine having a personal computer, Mac Pro, it's for workstation, that can cost with everything, including the $7,500 28-core Intel <laughs> chip, $35,000. Yeah, but you know who this 
this is for. These are for people editing films. Sure. These are for people producing records. It's, and, and that's the real problem when people discuss this as if it's something for everyone. You know, when Apple used to make the XServe, which was a server for server farms, it was not for us. The Mac Pro is not for us. Of course not. It's a prestige device and bringing out a, a Mac Pro Lite, whatever it's yeah, going to be. Like Somewhere to between yeah. the Mac Mini and the Mac Pro, the headless, exactly. the mid-range headless Mac that some of us were talking about. Kirk, what do you got coming up in the next few months we should be looking into? Just more of the same. Kirkville.com, you can find me. A bunch of podcasts. I've been pretty much coasting these days. I've been doing some interesting things, but I can't really talk about If he has to, he'll have to kill me. We don't want that to happen. What we've got to come is, of course, the Paracast. The Paracast, a show about the offbeat, the UFOs, the paranormal, and the frontiers of science and technology. So we're not giving up the technology beat. Check it out at theparacast.com, T-H-E, paracast.com. We'll have links at the Tech Night House site. It's been a great 17 years. Thanks to my friends such as Adam Inkst and Peter Cohen and Kirk McElhern. Kirk, really appreciated all the times you've come on the show on short notice with great stuff. Thank you for joining us on this final episode of the Tech Night Alive. And thanks for having me one last time. The Tech Night Owl Live is a copyrighted presentation of Making the Impossible Incorporated. We'll be back next week. Same bad time, same bad channel.